0: what's going on best friends and welcome to another episode of best friends talk funny the only kind of funny community podcast all about the best friends that make up said community i am your host Kyle Stevenson, a.k.a. Who Ninja 73 And on today's episode, I have a very special person, someone who is very near and dear to me, uh, one of the very first close friends that I made in this community. It's none other than uh, Jordan. Uh, Jordan is somebody who came to one of my meetups that I helped plan in the community out on Long Island. Um, he drove all the way from Pennsylvania. Uh, I, I, I think maybe we didn't... Now that I'm thinking about it, we didn't talk about, actually, the first time uh, we met up um, was Jordan wanted to go to Ragtime Pizza, uh, which is on Long Island, um, one, the pizza place that Colin loved, um, and he wanted to go and see if people came, and it was just, I showed up, and it just ended up being me and him, and another best friend that came all the way from Connecticut, which was insane. Um but yeah, we we met a long time ago. He he comes out to stuff in New York City all the time to hang out. And along with um another former guest, John Schmidt, who was on the show a couple months ago, uh, Jordan and John are solely responsible for me being able to go to kind of Funny Live three. Um, they they helped me get there uh, and helped pay for my uh, plane ticket and. John let me stay with him in his hotel room, and it's just, man, it, it's uh, the, the generosity shown by these two is something that, it's just a bright light, and that weekend at Kind of Funny Life 3, um... Much like all the other kind of community stuff that I've been to, I've been to PSX, I've been to PAX East, just running into best friends here and there. But Kind of Funny Life 3 showed me how warm and bright and loving the community is firsthand. And one of the reasons why I wanted to, another one of these reasons why I wanted to do this show. And because of Jordan and because of John, um, that happened. And... Uh I owe them a great deal, so I was very honored to, and and lucky to finally have Jordan on the show. I will warn you, Jordan likes to talk <laughs> without you know putting it any other way. Jordan is a talker, and so, as you can see by the runtime, this is almost like a two hour and a half show like it's it's long um not saying that's a bad thing, Jordan uh brings up a lot of good stuff and uh, we talk about a, a wide range of things, uh, his experience as a driver, uh, he goes thoroughly in depth to the uh, the wonderful movie Collateral with Tom Cruise and Jimmy Fox. Um, but Jordan's great, you're going to enjoy this episode. I will put a little disclaimer on it, um, this is the first episode I've done where I've just taken the recording straight from Skype. Uh, Skype apparently, I guess in the, my new updated version, um, gives me the ability to record the audio of the phone calls. And so I can now just rip it, the audio from there and it seems okay. I think there might be a little bit, little drop-offs here and there. Um, but you know what? Uh, I It was the only way that we could have... Done this episode, so I'm gonna take it. Uh, let me know if this works because if this works and it doesn't hinder your experience listening to the show, uh, I will the range of guests that I can have have just opened significantly because a lot of people don't have a computer that can handle a recording, um, recording thing like with a microphone or a computer that could work. Maybe I could just do uh, podcast episodes with people on their phone using Skype, the Skype app. Who knows? Uh, so let me know in the, in the, in the comments, I guess, or tweet at me, send me a DM, uh, whatever works for you. Um, I'm already making this episode longer than it has to, cause we're running on four and a half minutes here, but this is a good one. It's a great one. If I may get ready, hold on to your seats. Cause Jordan's coming in with some really hot takes. And without further ado, let's get to know a best friend a bit better kind of
1: funny is best friends. What that means is we are there for each other. What that means is that you can go to any kind of funny live event. You can go to an RTX. You can go to a PAX. And if you see someone in one of our shirts, you can go up and talk to them. You can go to dinner with them. Kind of.
0: Any other questions, Jordan? Uh, I, I was gonna
1: say, do I get a free beer with this or no? <laughs>
0: a free? I don't know how I'm gonna be able to hand you one over the <laughs> over the interwebs, but I'll try.
1: I, 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 I was gonna say, you know, there's like DoorDash or Uber Eats. I'm sure you can like uh, call someone there. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, can, can you like deliver him like a six pack or something like that? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll see how that works. So, uh, uh, so, uh, so Jordan, you were you were saying how it. You're in, you're in Pennsylvania, right?
1: Yes, I am. I am stuck in the wilderness of northeast Pennsylvania.
0: Oh, and um, like like how far from Philly are you? All right. So I'd say just
1: over an hour's drive north of Philly.
0: Oh, okay. That's not too bad.
1: Well, <laughs> correction. If there's no traffic, it should be about an hour. If there's traffic, eh, it could be a little closer to an hour and a half, two hours.
0: Gotcha. Um, and we're recording this um, after like a giant winter storm came through. So how bad did it hit you? Because we just got on the island and in the city, just rain, a lot of rain, but no snow.
1: I know. I I had been uh, seeing you know uh, updates from all my friends. You know, uh, out there towards Jersey, out there towards New York. It looks like you guys just got damp. Uh, fortunately, uh, we had caught up. Earlier in the week, because I, I guess there was some fear I was going to be up to about two feet of snow out here. I was expecting to get buried. Yeah. Uh, as it turns out, lucked out a little bit. Uh, ended up being just around six inches uh, okay, last night. Fun. No, but what I feared would happen did happen last night. So about sometime between like midnight, 1 a.m., uh, it switched over to freezing rain. Mm. so at that point it switched from being a snowstorm to an ice storm and those are never fun to deal with and they're never fun to clean up (laughs) the morning after
0: yeah no i i think in terms of like winter weather ice storms are always worse And, and they're like they're way more dangerous than just snow Absolutely,
1: and uh, when I started uh, shoveling when I got outside around, I guess it was about nine or ten this morning, the first thing I was watching uh, for while I was going out to the driveway to start clearing out was that we have a few trees that are right nearby to it, and you could just see the nice layer of ice that covered all all the, the tree trunk and the branches, and when you have about... I call it like about a quarter inch, probably thick of ice, just surrounding it. You're worried that as that ice melts, maybe it might snap off some branches mm-hmm. while you're busy cleaning. So always trying to keep an eye out, making sure I don't get hit while I'm trying to make sure I can get out of the house.
0: Yeah. Uh, my my next question was, uh, did you fall on the ice, and how many times? Uh you know, I. I managed to avoid it surprisingly. Oh, you lucky every single time I go out like in this to like shovel or, or like in my case at my house, uh, we have such a long driveway. It's like a, like a quarter of a mile, third of a mile, something like that. And like it's very long, so we have like a, uh, a giant Kuboto tractor that we use, and it takes okay. us hours to go through. So I don't really have to shovel that badly, but every time I do. I always slip if there's ice. There, there's, no, there's no debating it. If there's ice, I'm falling on my ass. That's just uh, what's happening.
1: Oh, uh, needless to say I'm just – I think I'm just used to watching out for it now whenever I walk on any icy road, mm-hmm. uh, especially dealing with our driveway, which is maybe not as far a distance out, but it is – I'd say it's a, at least – 100, maybe 200 feet uh, back from the road. So it's a few car lengths down that I do have to work on shoveling, and it does slope a little downhill as you go from the street towards our house. Now, while I didn't slip, there were a few times that I was worried that I would split and I would be in for just a world of pain. Yeah. So I just, <laughs> I was very thankful that my boots were doing their job and were keeping me straight. And the moment i started feeling maybe i could go I'm like no we can we can wait for like two seconds there you can take it easy
0: have you ever have you ever fallen like in a split position before uh because i have it's not it's not fun uh, you know i don't
1: i don't think i can remember a time that i have split having said that i can only imagine the pain that that would oh, be yeah. So if it ever did happen to me, I've blocked
0: it from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it, when it happened to me, it's so clear in my mind because the pain was so intense. Oh, I, okay. I was, Please share. <laughs> I was going down the stairs and I slipped, and okay. I like, I, and I was like, I fell like in a split position,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I was like sliding down the stairs that way before I could catch <sighs> myself. Yeah. And then it, it came to the point where I was like, I was trying to lift myself up, but my legs were so. Oh. So far out, like it, it I was it was bad. It was oh. so bad. I just, I just remember for the rest of that day, just staying in on the couch and I watched the, um, uh, the O.J. Simpson show. Uh, what was it called? <laughs> uh, The People versus O.J. I think.
1: Oh, oh With, yeah, uh, uh,
0: Including Junior.
1: Right, and uh, Schwimmer, right, the guy yes. from uh, Friends.
0: Yeah, great show, but I was in terrible pain the entire time. <laughs> You know, I think you were a little distracted. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, so you're you're a Pennsylvania boy. Uh, I think that makes the second one that we've had on here with John, our good friend John. Um,
1: oh yes, John. Which uh, yeah. you you did bring up uh, in his episode that I still love the story how the t- how John and I became friends
2: mm-hmm.
1: when we lived all of maybe fifteen minutes away. originally but we didn't meet each other until we were out in long island that's right yeah uh and i still remember that i believe that was uh let's see i think that was when we all went to catch the suicide squad uh meet up there which was oh that was that was enjoyable
0: (laughs) (laughs) i i i think i have i've said it like in person to people but Mm. not really online as much. Uh, I didn't hate Suicide Squad. I didn't okay. hate it. Hot take. I, I, I totally understand why people don't like it. But for me, it was a, like a silly action movie kind of, sort of, with like a weirdly dancing villain, which was kind of <laughs> weird, but you know what? Whatever. Okay. The whole film was over the top and cheesy
1: and my hot take is I enjoyed it for that reason and I also would say if I had the choice any day between watching Suicide Squad and Batman v. Superman, Dawn of Justice, any cut available, I will watch Suicide Squad every single time over Batman v. Superman. Bold claim. Because I figure if I'm going to watch a terrible movie, I at least want to enjoy the terrible movie. And Suicide Squad scratched that itch very nicely.
0: (laughs) Fair (laughs) enough. Um so in Pennsylvania, um, uh, what do you do for a living over there? All right. So I work for a transportation company. Uh, so
1: they call me a coordinator, which what that means is during the middle of the day, I work from a laptop and I take care of different administrative tasks, Tasks. Uh, tests. So whether that's, Uh, tracking uh, ridership for different shuttles that are being used, uh, whether that's uh, keeping updated between uh, different drivers with the company as well as supervisors, uh, just to make sure everything going okay, you have any complaints about uh, maybe a passenger who was misbehaving. Uh, More often than not, I'd say the question always comes up, uh, can I secure my vacation time uh which at this point in the year is when most of the requests go in because everyone knows that if you don't get a request put in within the first month, you're more than likely not going to be able to get the vacation time you want during the year, so yeah. that uh it does lead to a few headaches, a bit headbutting, but nothing too terrible there uh flip side to that is. I don't just work uh, on the office side. I'm actually out there in the field
0: sometimes. Yeah, and you're you're a crazy person when you tell me the hours that you you're on the road for. Like, I can't (laughs) imagine doing that for as long as you do, and you do it all the time.
1: Oh, you know, just you know what? I like to believe that my job gives me different challenges. So if that sometimes means I have an eight-hour day, that's fine. If it means I have a fourteen-hour day, yeah
0: but it's not just a 14 hour day like i've had 14 hour days it's 14 hours like on the road going back and forth like that's to me that is like that might be one of the hardest jobs that i for me personally to do cuz it would be so monotonous i can understand that especially
1: and in that line of work it's very dangerous when you just feel like it's the same routine day in and day out it becomes mm-hmm. monotonous because it requires your concentration it requires your awareness at all times because yeah. you you never know when someone may fall asleep uh behind the wheel when they're mm-hmm. on the road uh you know a couple hundred feet ahead of you and then you have uh, uh mere seconds or split seconds to react yeah um I will say the one thing that does help at times is being able to at least, you know, take breaks here and again. That way I can at least get out of the seat of, you know, the car or the van that I might be driving there. So at least, you know, ooh, okay. I I have my legs. I'm able to walk around for five seconds. I'm going to enjoy this. Um, I will say. Uh, I think I single-handedly do my part to keep Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks in business uh, out there on the road because coffee (laughs) is truly my friend, uh, whether it's 5 in the morning or 5 in the evening or on the occasion where I will start at 5 in the morning – Uh, grab a cup of coffee from Starbucks getting out early and then at 830 at night return to the same Starbucks to grab a cup of coffee and fortunately no one's there from the early shift when I get there (laughs) so it's like oh you guys are just seeing me for the first time today okay nice hey great seeing you too (laughs) how
0: how how, like I assume we have a rewards card like how how many free coffees have you amassed as a Uh driver?
1: Uh, I'm going to say in terms of the rewards, I think I've even gone beyond just the free cup of coffee. I think specifically with Starbucks, I've probably had a few free dinner sandwiches at this point. So yes, uh, coffee is truly your friend, uh, (laughs) when you're in my line of
0: work. (laughs) For sure. Um, any like crazy driving experiences that you've had? Oh, yes,
1: and frankly, it has to do with the snow uh, once again, and this is even a, a recent story. This isn't even a sign from my earlier years doing this. I'd, this happened just this past November, uh, and you might have been familiar with this, the uh, the freak snowstorm that shut down New York City, uh, yeah. where it was all of two inches of snow. Yep. Mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Well, it definitely did a number on uh New Jersey in addition. Uh it's in New York City. So, I know there were some uh there's some stories uh of um let's see. I think there was this uh town in uh in North Jersey, uh West Orange. Mm-hmm. Um where we would heard uh that some kids ended up getting stuck in the school overnight because where their school was situated, it was actually at the bottom of a valley. So it was mm-hmm. all the roads leading away from it were going
0: uphill. Oh
1: yeah. And, that's
0: impossible in snow. Mm-hmm.
1: Especially when uh, the state uh, DOT, the Department of Transportation, doesn't get the salt trucks and plow trucks out there until later on. Yeah. When, they feel like, oh, no, it, it shouldn't be a problem. Traffic should be able to move fine. Except snowstorm starts earlier in the day than they expected. Trucks didn't get out there on time. And then you just have a state filled with highways that are gridlocked, turned into parking lots, bumper to bumper as far as you can go. And you have these kids who are unable to get out because school buses are stranded, cars are stranded, Ugh. and there is literally no place for him to go. And I, I have to say, I think the reason I remember that story more than anything else, specifically with the kids, I'll get to my part in the story and my own uh, travel issues, was that they decided to show the kids frozen in the school auditorium. <laughs> so when I heard that story, I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, oh. why do you need to rub salt in the wounds of these kids? Why... Yeah.
0: Do you have to make them feel that terrible?
1: <laughs> oh, what, what kind
0: of, was it an elementary school, I'm guessing?
1: From what I heard when I was listening to this news report uh, the following day, yes, it okay. was an elementary school. So you're talking about, you know, kids <laughs> like six, seven, eight, nine years old, and they just want to get home. They just want to see their parents. They probably want to go play Fortnite and yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> uh but no they they were stuck overnight, and then I saw like they were sleeping on the floors in the auditorium and the classrooms wow. there i just uh it made me feel better about my part uh in my in my own story in this snowstorm, which okay. I had started that afternoon uh for what was supposed to be my p m work mm-hmm. and I was at uh I was outside the Newark area there and my schedule had started at two 30 was my first pickup. Fortunately, I didn't have any, uh, pastures right away. So I had time to get to the next stop and maybe have some pastures over there. Uh, my second pickup was due at two 45 PM about maybe all of a 10 mile drive. It took me about 45 minutes uh to get to uh where i had to pick up next instead of just 15 minutes so i already have a feeling like okay snow's starting to slow everyone down mm-hmm. this probably isn't gonna be too uh good a drive so 3:15, get there and sure enough uh people at the office where i was supposed to pick up at were already starting to leave early themselves because they had a feeling that this could happen i'm like they were smart. They actually had a choice in this. Yeah, <laughs> Not me, who my, my, my job is to keep up with, with this, to make sure that people don't have to drive in this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and then that's when the first true domino hit, when I got back onto the lovely Garden State Parkway, which, when I say lovely, I mean that in the most sarcastic way. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> Wait, it, it's, it's garbage. Uh, that's pointed uh, lightly there. Yeah. That's that's about as <laughs> polite as you can. It's put the it.
0: garbage state parkway.
1: Yes, well, you know, New Jersey is part of the armpit of America there, and I say that. <laughs> I lovely... love you, New Jersey people. By the way, I'm just
0: <laughs> I joke.
1: <laughs> I, I say that with all love and care because I was I was raised in that state until I was 18, and then like every true New Jersey resident you love sharing stories about that state and the moment you move away from it, you never want (laughs) to live there again. (laughs) Uh, But I ended up getting stuck on the parkway and as you get off at one of the exits to start turning off for uh, one of the highways to go west, uh, there's an incline. Uh, It takes you probably, I'd say about, let's see, if I were to take a guess, probably about 15, 20 feet up and sure enough, Plow truck hadn't come through, snow, uh, you know, the salting truck hadn't come through and cars ahead of me had just stalled out on the oh. on-ramp, stuck in, stuck essentially in midair. Although, no, that'd be interesting. That'd be a flying car. I wish those were around.
0: <laughs> um, so did but... you just like go up in like a... Uh like a NFL running back and just kind of barge your way through and push cars out of the way or,
1: you know, I'm pretty sure, uh, the insurance carrier would have questions for me. Uh, if I tried (laughs) to take, uh, take, take the car up that road and just plow through the cars. So no, I ended up being the very safe, very professional driver that I was and get stuck in traffic like everyone else for about a hour and a half or so before uh, the uh, plow truck and the salt truck finally made their way along the right-hand shoulder uh, to get up and start clearing out. And I got to tell you, I didn't envy the job uh, the team had coming in, especially when you had other drivers who thought they would be smart and drive up the right-hand shoulder.
0: I hate those people, even not even like in bad weather, just people who think they're more important than everyone else and wants to, like, ride the shoulder to just get past everybody. Just Abs- Absolutely. Just, yeah, it's the worst. Don't be that oh, person, people.
1: Oh, oh, no. But if there's one thing I can please preach to everyone is I know you want to get someplace. I know you want to go catch a movie or you want to go catch up with friends. You want to go see family or God forbid you might actually want to get to work on time mm-hmm. uh, yeah don't ru- don't run a risk don 't be that guy responsible for getting a couple thousand people stuck in traffic behind you just because you thought you can shave maybe half a second off your drive. maybe you can get uh you know just that little bit of an extra distance ahead. Uh, because more often than not, it just leads to headaches for everyone, especially you. If you get your car either stuck, get into a crash, or you get a lovely ticket from one of the several New Jersey state troopers, who will be more than happy to write one for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. so yeah, after that first part of my journey there, uh, waiting for about an hour and a half, finally managed to get up. Uh, the on-ramp and make my way onto the westbound highway where sure enough, it had just frozen into the largest sheet of ice you can imagine there. I, I literally thought the mighty ducks were going to just come and skate right through because the ice was just that good. So I wasn't driving as much as I was trying to figure out how to take a pasture van on skates. Yeah. Uh, so for yeah, a highway,
0: yeah, yeah that, that, go ahead. That, that's a good question for, for someone that doesn't drive for a living. And, uh, and maybe for those of us who are listening, who, uh, you know, are scared of driving in bad weather. How, how do you approach a situation with all the ice, like on the road like that? How uh, do you, how do, I mean, obviously you go as slow as possible, but like, how do you make sure your car isn't skidding all over the place? Well, you see.
1: I have to correct you a little bit There is You would think going as slow as possible is the trick. Yeah. It's not as much that as knowing what's the right speed you should be driving at, which it is slower than the speed limit. So, like, say that day on that highway, uh, the posted speed limit is 55, 65, depending on uh, where on it you are. All traffic had reduced to maybe about like 15 to 20 miles miles per hour Mm -hmm. making their way along. The one thing I can recommend for everyone is make sure your speed matches the flow of traffic. Make sure your speed is about the same as the car ahead of you. And also keep an eye out to make sure in your rear view mirror that the car behind you is going at about the same speed. Because the last Mm -hmm. thing you want to watch out for is someone who's trying to do 65 when they should be doing 25 at that moment. And then you're both left with a problem at the end of the day. Yep. Uh, now I can tell you the reason you don't want to go completely slow is when you end up at a point where you actually have to end up driving up an incline. So you have to say you have to drive up a hill the last thing you want to do is stall out because you don't have enough speed behind Mm -hmm. you to help carry you. Uh, I can say that to fast forward to another part of this long journey where we're going at about 15, 20 miles an hour for a drive that should take me about 50 minutes or so to go about 30 miles West Ended up taking me seven hours. Part of that uh, was the slower driving on the flat areas of the highway. But then a large chunk of that was just dealing with all the runoffs and stalls, not just in the middle of flat highway, Mm -hmm. but especially on a large incline. And I can tell you, I passed... uh, Let's see. There's this uh, one highway in New Jersey that runs uh, north to south, uh, Interstate 287. And as I'm going west, I'm approaching the interchange with this highway. Part of it involves going up a hill. As I approached it at about, let's see, I guess it had to have been about 8 o'clock that night. So I'm already five and a half hours into the shift. Mm-hmm. I'm already you know, nerves are racked a little bit because you've gone such a short distance over such a long period of time. And you're trying to watch out for all the cars around you, all the trucks around you. Three tractor trailers had managed to get into an accident on the incline in part because they stalled out. And where is no joke. Uh, Two of those tractor-trailers had blocked off uh, one of the exits coming off the highway. Oh, man. Uh, uh, Enough that I could see there was a large, I'd say a large chunk of the driver's rear side of the trailer had been crushed Mm -hmm. by the second tractor-trailer that had jackknifed oh. in the center and right lanes of the highway. And then the third tractor trailer that was involved being sideswiped had run off on the left-hand shoulder off the left lane.
0: So. I give I give you, and all these other drivers, all the credit in the world. Like, just hearing you talk about this is so stressing me out. <laughs> like, I... I like, I'm getting, like, my skin is, like, crawling because I'm so stressed. Like, I don't I don't ever want to be in that type of situation. Uh,
1: it, it is, uh, Lily, I know these all sound like horror stories. I can definitely tell you, w- when you have experiences like this and you've acquired experiences similar to this, and fortunately, most, I'd say 99% of my time and my distance on the road has not been as terrible as this one night uh, back yeah. in November. But you start becoming uh, a bit more prepared for handling the different uh, hazards that can be thrown at you on the road uh, between you know, snow, rain. Uh, I can tell you I have driven through a few tropical storms and hurricanes. Ooh. And I can tell you I've driven in the vicinity of a tornado or two yeah. as well. I have just... I've, if I were to take a guess in terms of how many miles I've probably racked up now just in the few years I've been doing this work, I'd say I'm closing in on about half a million miles. Ooh. And I got this story originally from my father, who in one of his previous lives he was a uh, commercial trucker himself. So he he used to drive eighteen wheelers. Mm. Uh, he told me a long time ago that you don't really become a good driver until you got your first million miles down. And I just, I thought to myself when I got to this line of work, I'm like, no, oh, that's really giving me confidence. Thanks for that. I, uh, yeah. You know, that, that saved me a for It's stress. just a
0: small number. It's just a million miles. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, then you'll have everything figured out at that point there.
1: And I'm just all I can say is I'm very thankful that I've been able to avoid accidents to this point. Mm. Uh, in fact, I think the Fortunately, the only accident I remember having uh, being a driver now in my life was going all the way back to when I was, you know, a young man at uh, 17, just got his license. And uh, geez, I call myself a young man. And I I think that's like over a decade ago. I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, that 10 year challenge, 2009 versus uh, 2019. Yeah, make me feel older. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, no, I ended up getting rear-ended, leaving my high school within the first two weeks I had uh, my first car on my own there. So, uh, needless to say, I learned to, one, make sure I never got into an accident myself, and two, make sure no one got me into an accident as well, so, which yeah. is why I learned a long time ago, I just watch out Uh, for myself uh, when I'm on the road as well as for everyone else while I'm on the road. Uh, And that would be another piece of advice I would give for anyone who has to drive through some terrible conditions, has to go through some bad weather, has to deal with terrible traffic, is... Just always be aware of where you are and what you're doing and what the person next to you and in front of you is doing mm-hmm. and what the person a mile ahead of you is doing. Because you never know when that person makes an accident could lead to problems far down the line for you.
0: Yeah. And and, and to, to go into my next bit, because of all that, that you have to, you know, obviously – uh have your what's about you when you're on the road especially if you're driving with the passenger and all this bad weather situations and stuff mm-hmm. um I- i'm going to combine these next two questions together because i feel like they go hand in hand um how do you de-stress and i'm guessing your twitter handle called 32-bit player has some sort of connection to what you like to do in your in your downtime
1: Oh, well, yeah, Neil's to say the best way for me to de-stress is video games. That is, that is, that is probably my one, uh, the one undying passion after so many years. I, I have to say I have, uh, I actually have one of my brothers to thank. Uh, for introducing me to video games a long time ago uh, was, I think when I was four was the first time I had an NES controller pad thrust into my hands with Super Mario Brothers 3 playing in the background Absolutely. because uh, my brother was just bored at that point uh, he was like, okay, I'm sick and tired of losing at this you have a go at it, and I'm like, okay and little did I know that it would lead to hundreds, thousands of hours of just knowing that I can enjoy taking control of a character on my screen and just turn off the world, if only yeah. for a short time.
0: So, What, what are some of your, your favorite types of gaming experiences?
1: I, I have to say, I think RPGs, mm-hmm. uh, especially action RPGs, uh, have definitely, I think, risen to uh, the, the top of my favorite genre list uh but growing up it was platformers again i mentioned uh mario brothers yep. i say that i you know you when you grow up you have uh your older brothers uh original nintendo system and he had super mario brothers 1 through 3 always gave them a shot always lost at 1 always lost at 3 surprisingly and here's another hot take for you i'm going to be this will be a pattern i think through the rest of our conversation <laughs> I I have a hot take. Uh, every couple of minutes, Super Mario Brothers Two is not only my favorite Mario game. Wow. of all time, two D Mario specifically. Okay. I bold choice, Cotton. <laughs> I make the argument that the U.S. Super Mario Brothers Two, which. Uh, A few more uh, hardcore video game followers, as part of your audience, may understand is just a reskin Doki Doki Panic uh, game from Japan. (laughs) I actually say it's probably in the top three greatest Mario games ever made. I oh, that's there's
0: a lot to unpack there.
1: I know. So here's where I'll start making my arguments here. Yeah,
0: I kind of want to know what your other two were. If that's in your top three, what are your other two? Okay.
1: So, I mean, if, if we're going to say like the best 2d Mario games of all time, I'm still going to concede that super Mario brothers three and super Mario world. Those are still okay. right there at the top of the list for the best of all time. I think super Mario brothers two Deserves that solid number three spot on the list. So part of that deals with the fact that it may have been a reskinned uh, game from Japan, originally known as Doki Doki Panic, but Shigeru Miyamoto was deeply involved in the development of that game. So it has it has Mario's DNA in, in its development the whole way through. So much so that Miyamoto actually gave more. Development time to Doki Doki Panic than he did to the actual Super Mario Brothers 2 that released in Japan. Uh, that's the game that we know as Super Mario Brothers The Lost Levels that you probably seen mm-hmm. on like Super Mario All Stars, what have you. Yeah. Uh, I can also say when it comes to the different worlds that you visit throughout. Throughout and the different characters you can work with, where you can choose between Mario, Luigi, Toad, and uh, Princess Toad's, Toadstool, you have, I think, uh, the beginnings for where some of the newer games, like new Super Mario Brothers, come from, where you can choose from a multitude of characters that have different weights to them, that have different abilities. Might have a bit more strength, may have a farther leap, may have more speed. Than some of the other characters. Uh-huh. So I think it gives it more variety. Not to mention, I do enjoy the fact that it is also one of the few Mario games that completely, uh, stepped aside from the typical, uh, list of enemies. So there's no Bowser around and, and n- none of, uh, really the Koopalings there. That's the, ne- that's the mm-hmm. next game. Super Mario Brothers three. Uh, and it's Awesome playing through spoilers, a great dream sequence of different worlds and environments that, frankly, it's uh, I just got to say it's simply fun. And the fact that I'm I can uh, step into either the original NES version or the uh, updated version for Super Mario Brothers All-Stars and just get that same sense of wonder that I did when I was playing those games, when I was like four or five years old, actually beating the game for the first time. I think when I was, I want to say eight or nine. It took me a few years. I was I was a stupid kid and I was still learning the ropes. Yeah. Uh playing all these Mario games. But I I have to say, uh Super Mario Brothers 2 just it stands out in my memory so much. And I have to say, it makes me so upset that it has yet to hit uh, the online service on ah. the Switch there. So that is That is the One For Gone game. I
0: I would like to, you know, go back and experience that game again because when you brought it up, like, I'm trying to remember my memories with it. Obviously, I played it, and Mm -hmm. I remember picking up, like, radishes and throwing radishes at people, and I remember Luigi jumping suit. Like you were saying, there was a difference between the characters. Like, Luigi would have a high jump. Mm
1: -hmm. I think
0: uh, Princess Toadstool could, like, hover, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: She could hover there. I, I personally Toad was my favorite of the four characters. Yeah, I can't right remember
0: away. what was his unique thing. So he
1: for whatever reason he was he was definitely shorter. He it always felt like he had a bit more weight to his jumps. So the way that I always loved uh ripping through uh one of the Super Mario Brothers two levels is essentially going at full speed and essentially just doing the dash and jump as much as I can. And for whatever reason uh, deal with the obstacles and the pits, the open areas of floor where you can fall out yeah. uh, from the level there. I just got the timing down right uh, with Toad. And admittedly, yes, the power-ups were very strange. The radishes were weird. I have to say also the uh, the potions that you can pick up to open up the secret doors. Oh, yeah, to, yeah. To like the shadow level where you can pick up an extra heart so you have uh, one more uh, hit point pretty much to work with Mm -hmm. there when you go back to the normal level strange bizarre design choices that i just ended up loving so much
0: uh wow i'm still it 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 feels like i'm in mike tyson's punch out like you just (laughs) gave me a right cross top three wow i mean i'm not shaming you for it but i think you might be the first person i've ever heard that says mario 2 is a top three
1: Oh, okay. I have to point out there is a uh, there is a video game personality that you should probably check out who shares the, uh, this viewpoint. Uh, indie gamer chick. Uh, she has done. Okay. Uh, she is a lar- a very large influencer in uh, the scene. Has been for a few years, maybe lesser known uh, from some people in the kind of funny community. But she does a great job of promoting not just uh, maybe the well-known indies uh, that we might be familiar with, like maybe mm-hmm. a uh, something from like a Mike Biffle, like a Thomas was alone, or maybe like uh, like a recent example like Greece from Nomada Studios. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but also does a great job of digging really deep into what we might mistake for shovelware at times. Uh, you okay. know, like those dozens of games that get added to the Nintendo eShop. Yeah. But She does a good job of giving these games visibility uh, with her own hot takes on uh, playing them along with having other members of her team play these games. But she has also developed enough connections with the industry that she runs uh, regular events where she literally gives away indie codes uh, to gamers free of charge. The only thing that she asks is for people who take these uh keys and you know turn them in for these indie games is just to give their honest opinions about the game whether that's just uh and giving them visibility on social media so oh, whether that's, that's cool. yeah so sharing a twitch stream that you might have of the game or maybe sharing uh you know like a short uh 140 character review that you leave on uh twitter just talking about the game in any way even if you don't like the game yeah she still has no problem with you taking The games for free and offering their input. What has been crazy from what I've been able to follow from her is that the developers who are part of these events, I think there's even been a recent one, hashtag Discover Indies, is that many of these developers find that their sale numbers actually increase uh, more than just typical sales themselves on digital shops because she gives these games visibility. Because she also gives these codes to her review team, as well as just to you know regular Joe's like you and me yeah. to try out the game and speak about. That's cool. So she, coming back to the point, she is also of the opinion that Super Mario Brothers Two is one of the greatest two d Marios of all time. So I know I'm not alone on this. I know <laughs> it I know it gives people uh, cross eyes and gives them, you know, <laughs> You know, you may feel like you have, uh, you know, a question block pop over your head yeah. there, wondering, yeah. like, w- where did you get this idea? Why do you think this is right? And I just, I, you know, I just got to share truth. That's all. That's
0: fair. <laughs> so so then why is your Twitter handle 32-bit player and not Super Mario uh, 2 is the greatest Mario game of all time?
1: Uh, yeah. So, like, why, why shouldn't I have been, like, 8-bit player or, like, uh, SMB2 Uh yeah boy. No. Uh, So 32-bit player. I like uh, the play on words. One is because the PlayStation 1 was actually the first video game console that I bought with my own money. Oh, nice. So I will always have that attachment to it because that was the first system that wasn't a hand-me-down from uh, my brother that was, I can say, it was mine. All mine. Uh, And then the bit player part is more of just the I like that play on words that I'm not always I always just try to make sure like what I can in terms of like being a friend or just helping out with people. I just prefer kind of like being on the side making sure like okay, is everyone having huh. a cool time? is everyone getting to where they need to be?
0: You're it, like a support class
1: exactly there i oh, it's cool I'm really that uh I guess I would be a a mage or a wizard i would be I would be there staying on the sidelines to make sure the rest of the team. Is doing all right gotcha. so
2: okay
1: which is why I like doing something like this is always a bit out of the ordinary for me
0: <laughs> <laughs> i i completely understand there i that's that's very interesting i never saw it that way but i i like that i like your take on that uh, okay now, but you, you see you got me
1: curious so what was your impression of why i had uh that screen name beforehand there because it seems like you have your own idea
0: well a 32-bit player
1: Yes, I just
0: thought you really loved PlayStation and that era of games. Oh
1: no, I mean, I mean, I do there.
0: So yeah, but uh, <laughs> like that's that's where that's where I just thought the username came from. Realistically, like, I but the, the bit player part is, I I don't hear that phrase often. So when when you bring that up, uh, yeah, I can see it and I I like that. I like that a lot. If
1: there's one other thing I am guilty of, and it's something like I've been Guilty of apparently since high school was uh, people have always said, I have, uh, I know too many words. I may, have, <laughs> I may have uh, too much in my vocabulary. Yeah. I, enough that even my English teacher uh, told me that in high school. And I'm like, uh, isn't that a good thing? Am I not like, am I not supposed to use that many words? Am I not supposed to <laughs> know how to describe things differently? I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: uh, okay. Oh. Um, all right, Jordan, we're at the, the point of the show where I have my guests tell me one thing that I need to read, watch, listen, or play. And you kinda hinted at it's gonna be like a uh like an older movie. Well maybe not older, but like in the last decade or so. So hit me with it.
1: Yeah, so we'll go back to the old age of two thousand four. I I know it seems so long ago there. I, was I know a
0: junior in high school.
1: Let's see. So 2004, that would have made me this. Well, this movie in particular came out between my freshman and my sophomore years of high school. Okay. So now this is a movie that I think if we were using the patented Nick Scarpino uh, three point system yep. for how we review a movie, it's either bad, bad, uh, bad, good, or good, good. Yeah. Or is it good bad? There, I I need to get that straight. I I need to watch a screencast to make sure I. Have I think that it's straight. good bad. Good bad. Yeah. There we go. I'd say this movie strikes the fine line between good bad and good good, and it is the two thousand four action thriller called Collateral. Oh, then, yes, I love Collateral. Okay, then we have we have a chance to bond on this because I. I firmly believe that this movie does not, did not get the credit it deserved when it was released yeah. first in 2004. It is uh, directed by Michael Mann, who I'd say behind great directors like uh, Spielberg and Kubrick uh, and uh, Scorsese. i actually say, if you want a great director from the 80s, the 90s, and early 2000s, Michael Mann uh you know he could be beat because besides collateral he was also behind uh the seminal crime thriller that first brought Robert de Niro and Al Pacino together in heat yeah so he was behind that he was also behind uh, a few other movies like Last yep. of the Mohicans uh came out about ninety two yeah I want to say uh he was also behind uh the Ali biopic with uh, will Smith oh, back so in Yes, uh, a couple of great movies. He was also behind *Public Enemies*, uh, the uh, that crime film with uh, Johnny Depp and Christian Bale. There, based yep. on uh, uh, what was it John Dillinger uh, mm-hmm. and the
0: crime bosses back then. I- I'm uh, looking up his list of movies. I had no idea he did *Hancock*.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, wow. he was a he was a producer on *Hancock*, I believe. Oh, actually, okay. uh, Peter Berg, I think, was the director on that. Oh, who, okay. Interestingly enough, is one of the supporting actors in this film, which is it it still blows my mind whenever we have uh, directors who also double as actors Mm -hmm. in other films there, because it seems like a rarity, even though I know it kind of happens pretty frequently. Uh, Perfect example uh, with uh, Jon Favreau, who we all know is happy uh, from the Iron Man uh, films, but he's also the director behind Iron Man, Iron Iron Man Two. Well, you know, Iron Man Two will forgive him, uh, but uh, it's it's the, it, Iron Man Two is good. It's it's, it's a, a good bad.
0: It's, it's a, a good a, bad. It's a,
1: fi- it's a fine movie there. It's good bad. It's a fine
0: movie there. Yeah, but, uh, but go back to Collateral because I don't yep. want to get too far off topic. Because I I do. I remember junior year of high school. Uh, mm-hmm. We were myself and my friends. We were looking at. We just wanted to go to the movies and we didn't know what else to see. I think we saw whatever else was big at the time. And um, it looked like a really super cool uh, movie where Tom Cruise was like the bad guy. And and Jamie Foxx is just kind of like along for the ride. And I think it's both of them for Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise. Some of their best performances on the screen, I think. I have.
1: I have to say, I think we have to remember back in 2004,
0: Tom Cruise
1: was still like the premier name actor. He was probably one of the most wanted actors when you wanted to sell a big budget blockbuster. Yeah. Uh, and collateral was one of his very few, uh, turns as a villain, Mm -hmm. uh, in a film, and frankly, his role as Vincent, uh, the contract assassin who really comes in on a jet into Los Angeles, that is the opening shot. Uh, and you're given no backstory about him. He is just, he is the best way I can describe him is he is almost like the Joker. He is just, he's just this pure source of just chaos, uh, chaos but it's controlled chaos. Yeah. There. A very controlled he's very methodical in how he takes care of his targets uh and you have uh jamie fox who is really just he is your regular guy who goes about going through his uh day as a taxi driver uh you can it's very clear he does have his own dreams and ambitions there uh yeah. Uh, early in the movie, you see uh, when he has a chance to finally take a, a dinner break while Vincent is out seeing one of his "quote unquote" friends, which turns out to be the first of the targets that he assassinate assassinates yeah. during the night. Uh, you know, Jamie Foxx is sitting there in his taxi cab. Uh, he's bringing out his sub from his bag, he's got the brochure featuring the Mercedes-Benz's that he's always dreamed of potentially uh, leasing and operating his own uh, his own limo service. Which, again, to show the age of this film, uh, limo services were the big way for everyone to get around besides taxis, because Uber and Lyft, they're not even thoughts or ideas at this point in time. So, for... Jamie Foxx's character to want to design Island Limousine service there, the perfect getaway from your troubles for the day. Mm-hmm. And always always his ambition, but he's you can tell he's lacking in confidence there. He may like he reminds me in, in many ways like a Clark Kent character. He very much reminds me of someone who's uh, portraying weakness because he, in effect, truly is weak in character and the early Steps of the film, mm-hmm. uh, but then over the course of this night, you see ha- as he changes, he deals with first a uh, great appearance and small talk with Jada Pinkett Smith, uh, who ends up. Uh, I think we're fine with doing spoilers on this film in its, yeah. in its entirety. I think
0: and, uh, if you want to skip ahead uh, a couple minutes, go ahead. If you want to watch it for the first time, you totally should. Collateral was a fantastic film, uh, but it's been out for as Jordan said, 15 years at this point. So you've,
1: you've had, you've had your chance. You've had time to go. We're going to go for a deep (laughs) dive for at least 10 or 15 minutes here. I think, um, Jada Pinkett Smith, uh, ends up being an attorney who ends up being the last of Vincent's targets, uh, over the course of the night. And interesting for Jamie Fox is character. Max, uh, to then become involved in Vincent's uh, steady progression throughout the city of Los Angeles, which I have to say uh, the cinematography on this film is superb, especially with uh, the overhead shots as they go through the different (laughs) neighborhoods there. Uh, You also get perfect, uh, like almost first person perspectives as you take the cab uh, along the streets. And I still remember an amazing shot where they are, approaching uh there ends up being a uh dance club they end up going to there where uh vincent this is
0: has... this is the one i haven't seen it in a long time but this is the one scene that i vividly remember so they're
1: approaching they're approaching this dance club there uh there's this uh asian mafia boss uh who is the the fourth of the five targets for vincent is and they end up stopping in the cab uh I remember Audio Slave which was uh oh. a great hard rock band great uh from uh 2000s there which featured the musicians of Rage Against the, the Machine along with the frontman of Soundgarden Chris Cornell. Yeah. Uh R&B. Yes. Uh he missed dearly. Uh, the track kicks in right as right after a split second of silence as Max and Vincent are stopped in their cab and then you just see this one coyote running <laughs> right across the street. Uh, and you can almost get this sense of wonder about what what's going on in both, the, both of their lives that Max and Vincent, you can tell they're just slightly mesmerized by this sight. And to think that, I went back to double-check the, uh, try to find out some of the behind the scenes on the film, <laughs> Michael Mann was... Only able to get that shot because this is actually one of the very first films to be recorded in its entirety with a high definition digital camera. Oh, so fun fact, that, yes, uh, and, and it's It's interesting that Michael Mann was pushing so hard for this technology originally back in 2003 was when he was filming Mm -hmm. uh, because he wanted to capture the character of Los Angeles and get those great nighttime shots that make up all the uh, transition scenes as Max and Vincent go from one location to the next Mm But it's also because of this digital camera that they were able to get these impromptu shots as they happened. There w- that coyote that comes strolling across the street uh, before they reach the club, that wasn't planned. They didn't bring in someone from a zoo. Uh, to set
0: that was a wild coyote?
1: That was a wild coyote that they got that shot just on a whim. They wow. took advantage of having the camera just in that moment in time. So that reaction you get from everyone on camera is just completely natural to them. There's nothing uh, prepared for that. They just caught that as is. Uh, That's and awesome. Like When you catch that, and you follow Max's development throughout this film, where he has to find courage uh, to actually stop this madman who is sitting in his backseat uh, going around killing people, And you can tell that he's visibly unnerved by just Tom Cruise's uh, toward the force there. You can tell he is no nonsense, takes no prisoners. Uh, Ice in his veins. Absolutely. And he's also so he's so charming. It's alarming. That's a great saying that I heard a long time ago that describes Vincent to a T because there are these instances where they stop at a jazz club, uh, which you think is just uh, Tom Cruise's character, Vincent. He just wants you know, break, and he recognizes Max uh, Jamie Fox's character is completely unnerved by everything he's doing. Yeah. So you figure it's a perfect opportunity for him to reset and calm down. And then you have uh, you have their two characters meet up with uh, the owner of this jazz club. and they just they have a great exchange for about a solid five minutes just talking about. Uh, old jazz musicians like uh, Miles Davis and uh, Robbie Coltrane. And then it dawns on you that this uh, club owner is the next target of Vincent. Yep, he's on and, the
0: list. Mm-hmm.
1: And you just see the shock of horror on uh, Max's face as he processes all of this. Uh, and But then you figure that... Uh, Vincent and the jazz club owner, they, they come to an understanding there's a uh, a little game they play where, you know, Vincent, he asks a question and he decides that if the jazz club owner answers it correctly, you know, he lets him go and lets him disappear so he doesn't get, uh, you know, the big bad who hired Vincent in trouble. Which, interestingly enough, the big bad that hired Vincent is an unrecognizable Javier Bardem is, ah. yes, uh, you don't recognize him uh, in the film because he's featuring a buzz cut. He doesn't have the bowl cut that you might know him so well for from uh, No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Uh, he just blends into the scenery. This is before he gets big. Uh, what's so killer about it, it, going back to the scene in the jazz club, is the owner answers Vincent's question correctly, but without missing a beat you see Vincent just pull out uh, his pistol with the silencer and puts two right into his forehead uh, and stops the jazz club owner's head from falling straight to the table and just lays him down silently. Mm -hmm. And if that's not unnerving enough, dealing with an assassin who uh, doesn't apologize for who he is, he very much owns that... This is what he does for a living. Uh, he joins Max as they go to visit his mother, who's stuck in a hospital. And it builds up in Jamie Foxx's character where this character is involved in so many threats to his life, his mm-hmm. just everything that's been comfortable to him even the comfort of making sure he could stay away from his mom, who is a bit degrading to Max and riffs into Max a little bit for not following his passion of opening the limousine company. Uh, So much so that his mother, though, actually believes that Max has opened the limousine company, even though he hasn't done any of this yet because he's always been anxious about trying to do something different than being a cabbie. Uh, All this leads to a great exchange where... Jamie Foxx is just filled with fear, filled with just wonder about what Vincent's going to do next. He takes all of his belongings. He takes what he needs, his hit list, and he throws it off of a bridge, which sets Vincent off. And you think in that instant, Oh, Jamie Foxx, you're dead. You're going to get killed because the last thing you want to do and mess with an assassin is get rid of the assassin's paperwork. Yeah. Uh, leads to a great exchange where Vincent actually stops short of killing Max and actually sends him into the club to meet Javier Bardem to get a second copy of the hit list. And if there was a greater like Clark Kent becomes Superman moment, it is just the moment where Jamie Foxx pretends he's Vincent when he's going to visit uh, Javier Bardem's character. And he goes from looking like the nervous cabbie that we've known for the first hour of the film to putting on a show of being the cold blood assassin that's still sitting in his taxi cab in the parking lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And in these instances where he gets the courage, you actually have another uh, great supporting actor that you didn't think was in this. Uh, a very young Mark Ruffalo, actually. Uh. Uh, who eventually goes on to become the MCU uh, Incredible Hulk, uh, it is nearly unrecognizable as the police detective who is actually doing everything in his power uh, to save Max from getting killed by Vincent. Mm-hmm. He is the only one in this whole story who actually knows how much trouble Max is in throughout the film. Uh, we start cutting towards our conclusion where Max has helped out Vincent, he gets the hit list, they go to the dance club, which leads to, honestly, I think some of the greatest close-quarters action sequences I've seen in a long time with Vincent, without missing a beat, taking out uh, the mafiosa, taking out uh, Javier Bardem's henchman, who went after Max, thinking he was Vincent. Yeah. And then just taking out anyone who stands in his way on the way out of the club. Including Mark Ruffalo's character, who is this close to uh, saving Max and bringing him to safety, uh, leads to this point in time where, as they're approaching the final target, uh, you know Max is just—he's sick and tired of everything that Tom Cruise has done. He has seen so much of uh, his murders. He has seen all the stress, and Vincent just uh, puts a show after him and asks Max what the hell are you doing with your life? Why are you telling lies to your mother? Why aren't you stopping me from yeah, doing what I'm doing
0: there? I, I think when I, when I saw it in theaters, this was the moment where I was like, wait a second, is Tom Cruise like a life guru all of a sudden? Like he's, he, he found his heart to like kind of help Max out, and that I think this is probably one of the reasons why I like this movie is because even though Tom Cruise, in this, as Vincent, is a despicable human being mm-hmm. uh, uh, i I like how he's and and i uh, uh, I'm sure he's doing it like as a, like a facade to kind of like keep max around, but I like how he's trying to make max think higher of himself and, and think of these types of questions to get him thinking so he's not in this type of situation again
1: type of thing it's almost like. In the strange sequence, you find that both these characters, in a sense, needed each other. Yeah. Uh, where you could tell in some of their conversation, some of uh, their repartee, their uh, back and forth that they have uh, in the taxi cab as they go from target to target, that Max needs Vincent uh, in a way that that Vincent is the one responsible for really pushing Max over the edge to actually become. Uh, the confident character that it always seems like he should be. He wants to be the complete person that he can be. Yeah. And for Vincent, it almost seems that he needs Max around because it's very clear in some of the backstory, he doesn't have much the way of any human interaction at all there. he is. He's a methodical hitman. He's very good at his job. But you could tell very clearly that he is just disconnected. He yeah. is... He is very much taking the role of, uh, like, Robert De Niro's uh, character, Travis, from Taxi Driver, in a sense. They're, like, completely isolated from the world, but is just committed to his targets, committed to what he believes he needs to do. Uh, And for whatever reason, Max seems to be his emotional connection. Mm -hmm. But it's great when uh, Max builds up, it comes to a head, because he finally realizes, like, he's just he recognizes that, no, I have a sociopath in my back seat and I have dealt with all this shit, not just Vincent's shit, but just the shit of not opening up his own business, not standing up to his mother, uh, not going after, uh, the girl that he's interested in, you know, not going after what he desires in life that he's just fed up. He's done. And then you see Max, become a little unglued and you see vincent worried because the taxi starts picking up speed
2: mm-hmm. as
1: they continue driving there you're, you're going up uh up and on ramp going on to, going into uh the heart of downtown at at this point it's probably about like 4 30 in the morning is when this film is set so everything is still very dark it's that near dust time oh, no traffic whatsoever in la which i hear is a rarity yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> except uh, for coyotes Yes, except for coyotes there. Uh, and you have to admit, at least the drivers are very respectful, and they let creatures just pass right across yes. right over the street, no problem whatsoever. Yep. Uh, but you see, like, Max picking up speed, and he you can actually tell, he's become completely unhinged. And he actually thanks Vincent for everything that he's done through that night. Like, thank him for everything he's done to show his perspective on life, And why you should never hesitate to go after what you care about, Mm -hmm. uh, which just builds into, uh, the lovely payoff where he takes his taxi cab and flips it on a concrete, uh, divider, uh, in the median. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And all of a sudden you see the taxi cab roll and crash and becomes a big collision I still love – I remember the first two lines from both of them as they're both just getting away from the taxi. Vincent is just – you can tell he's agitated. He's like, oh, that was perfect. Uh, very sarcastic to it. And, of course, Max, without missing a beat, Jamie Foxx goes, what's the matter? You weren't wearing your seatbelt? <laughs> uh, and I think just the silliest moment that comes right after that is just uh, Vincent grabbing his computer that has his hit list and grabbing his gun while Max is trying to fight for it. And for whatever reason, I see Tom Cruise just taking the gun. And it looks like he's he's beating Jamie Foxx with it in the arm there to get him to let yeah. him go there. And I thought, like, that's just that's a silly exchange. I didn't expect that to happen. Um, and then it leads to this climactic chase at the end. They find out Jada Pinkett Smith's character is the final target. Jamie Foxx knows he needs to do whatever he can to stop uh Stop Tom Cruise from killing uh, you know his one friend, his romantic interest uh, and just prote- uh, protect her from this unhinged man that he 's been driving around with all night mm-hmm. uh, and it 's amazing to see Max all of a sudden go through so many uncomfortable moments where he has to break into a building he just you could tell he grabs the uh, the gun that Vincent left behind you know, you think like, Oh, I have to shoot out the locked door to get into the office building. You see him, he pulls his hoodie up almost like to block his face and make the shot. He, he looks so awkward while he's trying to be an action hero there, but you, you are rooting for Jamie Foxx at this point. You Mm -hmm. want him to stop, to stop Tom Cruise and gets to a point where they run through the office building. Uh, Vincent, he cuts the power there. Jada Pinkett Smith is just trying to escape the law library where she's stuck. Uh, and as you can tell, she's walking around the distance. Tom Cruise, Vincent, is getting close, has the pistol lined up on her, and then all of a sudden, you see Max in the shadows just come out, and Vincent is just asking him, like, Max, what are you doing here? Like, what, you think you're going to stop me? And without missing a beat, Jamie Foxx shoots the gun uh, right at uh, Vincent there, right at Tom Cruise, and you think, all of a sudden... Maybe maybe he's dead. Maybe that that's the end of it. Sure enough, it's not. He comes back like the Terminator.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then, yep, Jamie Foxx, J.A. Pinkett Smith, they are running. They escape onto, eventually, the the subway there in L.A., the metro. Yeah. And the very last action sequence is, you can tell it's an older subway car, so the electricity keeps on popping on and off there. Lights turn off. And then Max and Vince are just going at it. Uh Mono a mono, just putting one gun up against the other there, just shooting between uh subway cars, uh, to see if they can stop each other. And then sure enough, Max stops Vincent, and Vincent just he resigns himself to his fate. He knows he's gonna die because you can tell very clearly uh all the uh all the shots that he took to his chest and you know, all the blood that's coming through his uh his white shirt in his what used to be his very nice gray three-piece suit throughout this film. Uh, and you can tell as Vincent just sits down and dies, Max and uh, Jada Pinkett Smith's character, they come out to join him. And you almost feel sad in a way that Vincent dies, as strange as it sounds, because... You could tell Max needed Vincent to get to the place where he is at the end of that film, where he actually steps up. He takes charge. He actually takes ownership for his life. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And you could tell Vincent is just (sighs) trying to remember the exact line. There's a line that he utters at the start of the film and then says it again.
0: Uh, at the end, I think it goes. It's okay like, if you don't get it verbatim. We, we, we yeah. got to leave a little something for people to, to, I know. to go
1: watch it. <laughs> I know, and i i've i've done my terrible i've done my terrible uh, Greg Miller job of trying to give a plot <laughs> summary in like twenty five minutes here uh, with the film. But I honestly say, I think it's I think Claral is an extremely underrated uh, crime thriller, and I think it's. I mean, it's a simple story in some respects where it's an average guy forced to uh, extreme circumstances and needs to overcome his faults in order to essentially save the day. But I think it's so expertly done, but it's so completely understated and it goes against type for both of those actors. It It went against Tom Cruise's type at the time. He didn't play the hero. He played the cold calculating antagonist. And Jamie Foxx, you know, I think he's all he always had a bit of that image of being, uh, you know, the fun-loving guy, made the source of energy, someone who was never at a shortage of confidence, to all of a sudden be this timid man who's just gone about his day-to-day, mm-hmm. uh, hadn't realized his dreams, hadn't realized, uh, hadn't had the confidence to actually make what he wanted to happen, happen. Yeah. Yeah. I have to. I have to give all applause to the actors, uh, to Michael Mann directing that, grabbing those amazing shots that he did, and also to that to that script. Even for a simple story, the fact that I still want to go back and relive that every couple, of, I'd say every year or two years or so, I end up watching that film, yeah. and it doesn't age for me. There, that's the hallmark of a very good film.
0: Yeah, and it's. I I said it after I walked out of that movie I'll say it again now Uh, it makes you want to see Tom Cruise do more bad guy roles because he he, he killed it in that and I think uh, yes he's a major action star he's the face of Mission Impossible he's done so many incredible action movies as as the the face as the good guy I would just love to see him maybe be like in the next Bond movie as like the evil villain like, I I would love that.
1: Uh, he does a great job at uh, going against his type in this film. Like, it was, I, I still say, I think it was a crime that the film wasn't more recognized in terms of maybe awards or what have you. But mm-hmm. then again, I think it's, I think because the type of film that it was, it doesn't get, the I think the critical praise I think in some ways it deserves there I guess some people are expecting maybe a bit more of a thoughtful drama or maybe a more a more artistic film at times yeah but I I still stand by it I'd say at the very least if I could go back and fix anything I know back in two thousand four two thousand five Jamie Fox he did get an, an Oscar I think for uh, he did the uh, the Ray Charles
2: yeah uh, right biopic.
1: he he did that around the same time. I still say I think he deserved to also get another Oscar for supporting actor in this film, in this because one? I can in see this it. one. Because I think his transformation uh, and the way he's able to, I think, authentically sell that change in character, I think he did a, a great job. I think he did a marvelous job, and I'm with you on tom cruise he should play the antagonist more often uh having said that he is locked up now for let's see we got a uh, top gun uh two oh, i think yeah. coming from him as well as the next two sequels of mission impossible so yeah, he's,
0: he's busy but that doesn't mean he yeah. can't squeeze in being a bad guy here and there I, I'm I'm hoping that when he
1: has when he has the chance again, hopefully he gets the right story. Hopefully he's given the right opportunity uh, to be the villain that we all know he truly can be. Yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, if if you're listening, if, if, I hope I hope that Jordan sold you on seeing this movie because it needs to be seen. It, it it's a movie that's criminally under scene, I think, in my eyes. I think yours as well. That's why you brought it up. Um please. I hope oh, I didn't
1: I, I, I just have to interject real quick. I hope I didn't put anyone to sleep though with that whole <laughs> I know I know I went off for a while. You there. did,
0: but you know, it it was good. It was good. I don't I don't mind. It was uh like you made me want to go watch the movie like immediately afterwards, so I mean you kind of did your job there. So
1: and it's got a it's got a coyote in it. I'm sorry, and any movie any movie that has a dog or a like a dog like animal, any type of relation
0: to a dog in it, you should see. There's absolutely yeah. no reason why you shouldn't see. Absolutely, especially <laughs> a wild one that wasn't planned. Like that's crazy. Again, when I when I still heard
1: that story, I'm like, uh, you guys you guys got lucky and got one of the best shots I've ever seen in a film. Yes. Ever, so. Yeah. So.
0: Um, all right. So this show, best friends talk funny is here because of kind of funny because of the kind of funny community. Uh, we are best friends because of the community, Jordan. So I want to know how you yourself got into kind of funny. What was the, the jumping off point? Uh, doing you are now episode 19 of the show Uh, i feel like most people are have the same kind of answer um so i'm going to i'm going to jump in and just i don't know guess that it might have been podcast beyond beyond
1: yeah Uh, there it is uh yeah no i i am i very much fall into that camp as well um i will say i got on board uh, with Beyond around the time where it was the triumphant four there. So that, that was when we had Greg and Colin. But that's also when we had uh, Ryan Clements and Andrew Goldfarb as part of the yeah. team. So I got on board when it was the packed house of them. And I still remember just finding them on a whim uh, because, let's see. Around that time I got into uh, Beyond, so I guess that's about probably end of 2011, start of 2012, somewhere around uh-huh. that time. Sounds about right, maybe middle of 20, 2012. Uh, I had actually stepped away from video games for a period of time. Wow. I okay. I had no handhelds, no consoles uh, while I was in school, and then I got the itch uh, to get back to games. Uh, part of that was I picked up uh an old PSP uh mm. PlayStation Portable which still love that that uh system especially for giving me the game that brought me back uh, into video games Crisis Core which another hot take I will defend is one of the greatest Final Fantasy games of all time.
0: Oh, Jordan coming in with the hot takes today.
1: Uh so admittedly that comes as a result of someone who wasn't able to put in the time for Final Fantasy VI uh, when that originally came out on Super Nintendo. Okay. As I guess, like there was Final Fantasy 3 in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I wasn't into uh, originally. I wasn't into uh, Final Fantasy Seven, Eight, and Nine when they first came out on PlayStation. Uh, but you know, Crisis Core was it. It spoke to me for whatever reason. Love that hero's journey of Zach, who is it, it, in a bar fight. Do I want Zach or Cloud as the true hero of Final Fantasy Seven? It's Zach every single time.
0: Oh, get out of here with that. <laughs> get out of here with that. I,
1: I, I'm sorry for all the sacrifices that Zach made and also realizing uh, the true evil that Shinra was, and also essentially with Cloud. Wanting to be more than the infantryman that he was, and all of a sudden him going into a coma and then imprinting Zack's heroic qualities onto him, making him the cloud everyone knows in Final Fantasy VII. Yes, if there there was no Zack, there'd be no cloud. Therefore, Zack is the superior Final Fantasy VII hero. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, you're making me mad. Let's let's continue with why you're... I'll
1: continue. So Crisis Core spoke to me. It obviously didn't speak to you. <laughs> um, but it eventually got me to the point where I'm like, okay, this is like the nice appetizer. This is me gaming in games. You know what interests me? PlayStation 3. I'm very interested, especially with it getting down to a reasonable price point. And I got sold that I had to try out this... Like so-called game of the year, this uh, one of the greatest games, a masterpiece even. Uh, uh, ten out of ten from IGN. A uh, uh, little game called Uncharted Three: Drake's oh. Deception.
0: I was I thought you were going to say Lair. I was like, okay, fair.
1: Uh, well, well, you know, uh, Greg Miller may have been, been involved in a few of these reviews. We can't say, uh, but. Yeah, I have to say, I originally got sold on getting the PS3, in part reading Greg's review of Uncharted 3, and I, I have to say, loved loved the set pieces, loved being able to play Indiana Jones for the first time in a video game, and actually honestly believe that, and also when I got the hunger for like, I want to find out more about like new PlayStation games, what's coming down the pipe? And then, sure enough, come across uh, Greg Miller again. It's like, oh, you're on Podcast Beyond? This is uh-huh. this is something that people listen to? Okay, let's give this a shot here. And neil to say, just walking into that show was really like walking into a conversation between friends, just talking about the latest news, just talking about uh, how everyone's doing uh, in whatever games they're interested in, dealing with Colin being angry that there hasn't been a new worthwhile Mega Man in God knows how long. Yeah. Uh, always enjoying the, I enjoyed the, uh, the musical end to those episodes. I enjoyed having, uh, Ryan's wrap up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was always, uh, you know, a nice way to, uh, finish off that hour. And at this point in time, I was actually, uh, working in a restaurant, uh, for a couple of years. So, Uh, whenever I got off a late shift and had worked for like, what, like eight, nine hours, uh, some long nights, I always knew that, hey, let me go, let me go into uh, my podcast app here on my Android here. Let me open up IGN's podcast beyond. Let's pull in the latest episode Let's see what the guys have to say. And I got to say, I was hooked on that right away. And then, Like we all do, once you get into Podcast Beyond, give it a little bit of time, and you wonder, like, oh, what's this kind of funny thing, this Game Over Greggy show? Uh, Like, what are these? And I think I started watching uh, GOG, rest in peace, Uh, and uh, I guess we were in around episode 15 is when I came on board, uh, which I have to admit, it didn't catch me right away. What did catch me right away was when I decided I wanted to go back to watch the episodes that I missed when they first started. Uh That classic episode with Michael Rosenbaum. Yeah. Just, I I think that is still the first proper drunk game over Mm Greggie. That was ever done. The first one with a guest. And from that moment, the moment I watched that episode, I'm like, okay, guys, you sold me. Like yeah. you, you got me hook, line, and sinker. I, I'm, I am in for this for the long haul. <laughs> That's
0: something that, I, uh, you know, it's ne- we're now in year four of kind of funny officially. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like a lot of people forget looking back because kind of funny puts on a t- they, they put out a ton of content, and um, I, I, think sometimes it gets overlooked just how great their gogs with guests were early on. Mm-hmm. Like, you, like you had uh, Michael Rosebaum, you had uh, Felicia Day, uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you had uh, Aisha
1: Tyler was among Aisha you.
0: Tyler, um, uh, Christine Lakin from Step by Step, they had on for a little bit as as a guest. Uh, Not to mention
1: the the first appearances of Troy Baker there, which I yeah. just like. Yeah, a, a Troy Baker episode is always a classic episode.
0: And, and and now that I'm like, I'm fully into Critical Role. Their mm-hmm. Critical Role episode is severely underrated and you should totally go and watch that because that was a lot of fun that's something that i wish they would do a little bit more of is i would love that watch them play D D, but that's mm-hmm. uh that's a that's a whole it's a whole other episode a whole other topic but uh um as far as kind of funny goes now um what is your favorite stuff that they do like are you enjoying 4.0
1: uh, I I have to say, I think 4.0 is really speaking to me. And it's, I have to say, I love the refresh that they've given the morning show. And now having like distinct, uh, t- distinct shows now for each day of the week. And really just, it goes after every taste that you might have. Uh, I have to say the, the two morning shows that stand out the most to me so far are KFAF, which is just okay, yeah. Someone decide, okay, Nick, Andy, uh, go off, go go film random segments. You got a couple of gift cards sitting in your wallet there. Yeah, we can make a bit out of that. No problem there, which was hilarious. And I think, like, okay, how much cheese and fried
0: cheese can you guys get? Like, <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. It, and you know, I how can you not sing? Go for it, like. I, I, oh, I find you, myself, Oh, you I, mean
1: the, the the classic banger? Go for it, Andy. Go for it, Nick. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: I I woke. I've been waking up in the morning with that just in my head. I, I, it
1: still kills me <laughs> when I read the Facebook and the Reddit and think how many people wake up with that coming into their mind right yeah. away. I'm I'm like, ooh, you know what? That they they have a winner there, and I also have to say, I have to give props to the second morning show. That's my personal favorite. And one that I don't think is getting enough love. And I have to say debatable is oh, just everything I'm hoping for. Yep. Not, not to mention, I love just <clears throat> Jared Petty coming in, just being the completely, uh, partial judge. He is just, he's in there and he's deciding on a whim. I like your argument. I don't like your argument there.
0: <laughs> I want to uh, go as far as saying partial. Well,
1: I, I should say impartial would mean that he is like, like he's being fair minded. When, okay. when I say partial is like, no, he very, he clearly has a, an agenda in place at gotcha. times. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't mess around. He tells yeah. you right away. It's like, no, I gotta be honest. I don't personally like your pick, but go ahead and sell me on it. <laughs>
0: and but and, and I, I'll just clarify, like me saying me mentioning that doesn't mean I hate it. I love Jared. And I love that he does that on this show. Cause it gives it, it's, it gives its own little take on a debate type show where, sure, the judge there is usually kind of silent and listens to mm-hmm. everything and then makes a decision. No, Jared is involved, and he will tell you straight up that your idea sucks. And he'll have the pen have
1: hovering help. right there above the list there. It's like, uh, you're not selling <laughs> exactly. me on it.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I love debatable. I can't wait to see uh, to to see what else they're going to debate on because the first two are, are so good so far.
1: Oh, they're they're both amazing, and I guess the best way I can also describe the show, it reminds me very much of a game show like Whose Line Is It Anyway. Yeah. I, I don't treat it as much like as like a game show where everyone's really like working hard at it for prizes. No, I treat it more as the game show. Where it's more about the entertainment that comes from everyone interacting with each other, whether that's you know Jared having fun with all the power that he has while he's on camera, uh, whether it's you know whichever guest they have in, like Jack Patillo or Josh McCuga, they're just dealing with the insanity that is Greg Miller going full Greg Miller. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So needless to say, it's it it struck a chord, and I have to say. It's been amazing, both as the podcast I like to put on, like when I'm busy on the road and I don't have any passengers, I can just put it on, uh, on the car speakers and listen to it. It works perfectly. And even as a video, I got to say, like, I know that it might be a bit better maybe to have, a, like if you had like the list update in real time, maybe have that on the, uh, the video screen and back Yeah. at the same time. I love the presentation. I love the cheesiness. It yeah. reminds me of every single like 70s and 80s game show with the tacky curtains on the side there and just the the overuse of like the, the oranges and the yellows there. I love every single moment yeah. of that production.
0: Shout out to Debatable.
1: It's Absolutely. A,
0: a, depending on what day and what time of the day you're asking me, that might be my favorite of the new shows. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I'm i loving every single second of, uh, of 4.0, including what used to be GOG, mm-hmm. now it's a funny podcast. And speaking of that, R.I.P. GOG, not really, yes. it's still the same, just Andy's there every single week, which is awesome. You know, uh, we'll just
1: call it GOG Volume 2, how about that? Sure,
0: <laughs> yeah. GOG Redux, or something uh, like <laughs> uh, yeah. Alright,
1: I like that, go ahead.
0: Uh, every every episode, I have my guests bring an old uh, GOG topic to the table. And uh, Jordan, what do you got for us? All right.
1: So I figure it's still early ish on in the year. You know, we're still like, you know, middle of, of January. So I think we can get away uh, with using this topic. So, in great GOG tradition, we're going to ask uh, what are your New Year's resolutions? Knowing fully well, we're not always the best. Best about keeping them. Not to mention, at mm-hmm. times we might think they're a little tacky, but I think it's good at times to have, uh, you know, have have a foundation for what you like to accomplish in 2019, what you'd like to accomplish in the year ahead. Absolutely, yeah, that's a good one. Um, so, go, so well, I I, yeah. I got my question. I I got to ask you, Bud, because uh, I think you did have some thoughts on it. Uh, what are your New Year's resolutions?
0: Oh man, I got a lot. Uh last year was one of the first times where I made a resolution and I kind of stuck with it. Um oh, Okay. And, and last year was I just wanted to do uh I wanted to do podcasts more. Uh, I was I, I was gracious enough to guest on um the PlayStation podcast which is now the Trophy Room which is something that I co-host every week now, but and the fall of Twenty seventeen, I, I was just that was the first show that I was ever on. And Joe, uh who was a guest on the show a couple months ago ago, um just had me on. He was looking for somebody that came on and I loved it. I always wanted to try out podcasting cause, uh it's always something that I was interested in. In college, my friends and I had a sports radio show mm-hmm. um where I wasn't like on mic the entire time, but I was more like a stat checker and would like you know enter debates if i need to and i love that gotcha
1: um, so you're like a, you're like uh for all the sports nerds out there like for espn you're like pardon the interruption you're like you were like stat boy yeah, there
0: i was stat boy yeah 100 <laughs> percent, and and i enjoyed it and i we graduated college and that kind of went away and i didn't really have a group of friends near me that would get together often enough and to like just kind of talk and hang out. Cause all my friends kind of either stayed up at college or moved away and I was by myself. So I couldn't have like in college that was every week we would go to the radio station and do that and, you know, just hang out pretty much every day with each other. So I kind of miss having that type of conversation thing for as long as it is every week. So in 2018, uh my goal was to just do podcasts more often, and mm-hmm. I crushed that goal um it was uh i I listed everything on my Twitter of all the um podcasts I was on, but it was a lot uh, mm-hmm. I think I was on ten eleven different shows, I think, Jeez, and then I didn't realize there was that many there, yeah, I
1: know uh I know. At least on Trimer, I know you guessed it on uh, one of our uh, mutual uh, kind of NYC friends there, uh, Mike Townsville. You guessed on uh, was yeah. it Three Best Friends, I think? Yeah. you guessed I, on I was times? on
0: Three Best Friends. I was on um, our Australian friends, uh, Jono and Jack Cruz's uh, sports podcast, Grandstand Gurus, which is now no longer a thing, but I was on that. I was on Growing Up With Gaming with Mitch. Uh, uh, oh my god. Um... I was on Caitlin's uh, show, Adventure Log, early on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I did a lot, and it just... and then I was on the Trophy Room, and then I had the idea for this show, and I put out like 15, 16 episodes last year. Wish it was more, but hey, whatever. Things happen, um, and I just loved doing it. So yeah, that was 2018 was the first year in my entire life where I actually made a resolution, and I stuck with it um and now with my 2019 resolutions i kind of made more than just one and i'm i really want to try to stick to them because of how exciting and happy i felt that i actually hit my 2018 stuff Um, honestly
1: that that's awesome man not to mention hey look at this way you're still living through uh that resolution as we speak while we're recording right now so absolutely I, i i have to say just Like personally, as someone from the outside looking in, I can't begin to tell you like how proud I am. uh, Just you actually like making this show happen and making it possible for just guys like us just to come up with stupid stuff to talk talk about there and talk about ourselves there. But it's a honestly, it's it's great to see you take the bull by the horns, as it were, and make this as open as you can to have everyone come in and actually give a voice uh to all the kind of funny best friends as opposed to just you know like people that you might see in person but may not know their
0: backstory yeah yeah that's that was the point it was i i think i said it when i first announced the show i guess now it feels weird when i say it like <laughs> you know whenever i i said i was doing this thing um hey, you posted it to twitter you announced it <laughs> yeah sure uh you know, kind of funny, and the community has given me so much. And mm-hmm. um, in terms of just the the Facebook group, and on Twitter, and um, the fact that John and you helped me go to kind of funny live three, which is something that I've never. Never forgotten, and I swear to God, I will repay you both one day. Uh, maybe not monetarily, but in some way, <laughs> shape, or form. Uh, because like that is such a seminal moment in my life, in my in, in knowing that I have friends like that. Like, oh my god, it was amazing! But like, it, the community has given me so much. This is a way for me to kind of give back and, and make sure. And it's not even just that the guys hear the show or listen to it, whatever. It's mm. just that knowing that the that the community knows just how awesome it is. And I don't want that to be lost type of thing.
1: No, especially when I I really believe it's a source of good in the community when you can go above and beyond to make sure that any best friend who is interested, you know, has has some place they can go to just hang out with a best friend, have, like, a great introduction just to trying to find new people, which admittedly is probably part of the reason I'm finally on the show, because I know we're talking about, you know, so happy you got a chance to go to Kind of Funny Live 3. I got to say, bud, I lived through you vicariously when you did that, because I, to this day I have yet to go to a Kind of Funny event, so well, I'm pretty soon you will you know I, it, it's funny the guys are i heard i heard through the grapevine they might be making a trip to new york cuz they finally got enough money for that so we'll see yeah.
0: we'll see <laughs> yeah oh it's going to be so much fun but uh getting back to resolutions what are some yeah. of your 2019 resolutions are you do you put much stake into them
1: uh I tried to knowing fully well, there's probably a good shot that it'll just, it won't, it won't happen for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. More often than not, the reason why things haven't happened maybe resolution wise over the last just two, three years is I work a lot. Yeah. I, I have, I put in several hours each week and ends up being the type of stuff that's like, ends up being right into like six days a week End up doing, uh, nearly a a full day. Um, so one of my resolutions in part, uh, because of that is make a point of making time for myself and, uh, don't come up with any excuses to avoid it. Uh, I know that it's good in some ways that I'm grateful that I have this job and it's been able to help me take care of my bills and help, uh, put stuff to the side. But I, it at times has also made me very anxious about trying to go out and try to be social just because in my line of work, when you are behind the wheel, as often as you are catching Mm -hmm. up with friends becomes a real rarity. It doesn't happen that often. It doesn't. It doesn't happen unless I can, you know, reach them on the phone or hit them up with a text or even, like, like I have to schedule it, like, on my calendar app on my phone there. It's like, okay, I know I'm catching up with kind of NYC this weekend. I know I'm catching up with my college friend this weekend there. I know I'm catching up with my friend uh, from back in the restaurant, like, this day. Like, if I, don't, if I don't schedule it and I don't make the time for it, it just doesn't happen, and that's just... It gets to be a little lonely, <laughs> at yeah times. i yeah, I completely understand, so I'm making a point this year that to not to not like build in any excuses, don't feel anxious about trying to go out catch up with friends, come up with an excuse to get in touch with friends because I need the break from work that's just that's yeah. that's crystal clear uh I can say the other part of making time for myself this year is recognizing I want to actually put time into going after stuff I'd like to do creatively. Um, so part of that is, and this might be an idea that we talked about a long time ago. It's even difficult to try to remember how far back, but uh, trying to work on my writing. Uh, oh yeah. And part specifically, because I think one of the greatest, I think one of the greatest, uh, sins if you want to call it that or a disservice you could do to yourself is mm-hmm. if you have if you have ideas if you have ambitions uh for what you want to do or what you want to make one of the worst things you can do is just let them sit in the back of your mind and just you know fade away and not make them a reality yeah so i'm trying to uh you know work on little stuff there like i just i got the nerve to actually work on just like writing a short little story I posted on, uh, I think on either Twitter or Instagram. I need to keep that straight. Uh, <laughs> Twitter. Yep. Uh, but you know, I wrote like a short blurb. I came with the idea for a simple scene of, uh, you know, like Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne, uh, Diana Prince, like all catching up in there, uh, and in their civilian identities. there, just looking like, just a couple friends heading out to a bar. And I kind of like concocted this whole excuse of, uh, maybe some inspiration, uh, from the recent Batman stories, you know, like, you know, like, Oh, Bruce and Selena, they broke up and, you know, Bruce ended up showing up at like a metropolis bar or something. Clark's going in there, you know, shoulders slouched there just to catch up with his friend, help cheer him up. The, you know, the least cheery of the, (laughs) the big three heroes in DC. Uh Uh, but you know, I like I like the idea of trying to push myself to actually make things like that happen and stuff. Even like working on drawing something as simple as maybe doing like uh, like sketching out you know the kind of funny logo uh, there for kind of funny day. I did yeah. that as just a, a simple post. Uh, I don't know where all that leads, and frankly, I'm at the absolute ground level where I know. Anything I do is going to be crap, (laughs) for (laughs) lack of of Uh a better term. It's not going to be good. Uh, But I'm working through the junk in some ways. I'm working through the practice because, you know, I want to see if it actually ends up going anywhere down the line. And I got to say, I'm inspired by guys like – I'm inspired by you for what you're doing in terms of going after your podcasting. Uh, Inspired by, you know, our other friends from kind of NYC. Uh, Mike with his music there. Yeah. Uh, Caesar with his uh sketches, there he does honestly. Caesar doesn't get enough credit for how he great his art is,
0: and, and even him, like, even when we bring it up to him, I, I feel like he doesn't take it seriously. Or, or like, when we praise him, uh, Caesar, if you're listening to this, you're a fucking amazing illustrator and artist, and uh, you designed the logo to the show. You it, like your artwork is fantastic, and um yeah keep going cuz it's it, it's it's great it is so good
1: and honestly like i remember when he first started uh posting his sketches uh, i think he did a like a 365 days of drawing or something like yeah. that, i think like year and a half ago or so it started and to see him commit and continue putting out drawing after drawing after drawing after drawing that's someone who i can tell is like he's He's falling in love with doing his drawing, like doing the actual process of mm-hmm. it, and continue going after that. And honestly, if I could muster even like half of that energy creatively to go after projects, there, uh, I would, I would love that. Uh, yeah. Because I, I and I, so I have to be honest, I honestly view him in some respects as one of the role models to help give me this idea to try to go after things. So that's awesome. He, yeah, you guys are you guys are pressuring me. So thank you for
0: that. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun pressure.
1: A fun oh yeah, pressure. absolutely. There. And also, it's like the little friendly rivalry where you're, you know, you can go like, oh yeah, how you doing with your shows there? Like, hey, doing great at the podcast. Like, bet you can't guest on another podcast. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, yeah, going into one of mine for this year, it's mm-hmm. going along the same thing you said was, uh, yeah, finding more time for myself and just doing things for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I think would be great for you know not not just selfishly like I get to play games and watch movies more. Just I think for like my mental health and my Mm -hmm. actual physical health, I think it's good for me to kind of just you know do things for myself and not have to worry about uh, you know helping with homework or uh, making sure you know adult things like i i i i'm tired of doing adult things i've been doing them for so long like and i kind of do those and neglect myself and i usually when i do have time for myself i'm usually up until like three in the morning catching up on stuff and that's not good either so i, I need to find that balance where i can actually you know have that time to myself and not make everything else suffer because I'm choosing to take time for myself, if that yeah, makes absolutely. any sense.
1: No, absolutely. Cause you don't you don't want to feel guilty that you're putting in time yeah. for something that's important for your well being or yep. for your like development or what have you, and then feel like, oh, you should have spent your time like doing X, Y, or Z, something like yeah. that there. And again, I completely Yep, sympathized after being on the road. After I was gonna say, you want to take the time for yourself there. You want to take the time to you know work on your podcasting, work on maybe uh, reviewing games there, maybe actually playing a PS4 game, unlike some of us there. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, and I do, I do have to admit one thing that haven't haven't mentioned there yet. I have to say I am envious a little bit about you pointing the time for PS4. Just because
0: as someone who is on the road, yeah, P-
1: PS4 is not an option <laughs> when sure. you're able to game.
0: Uh, but unless you invest in like one of those games cases,
1: uh, no, uh, I I have to, I have to say I have to uh, fully admit I am. If I am going to invest in anything, I am joining the TurboTax crowd probably in the next year or so uh, with a gaming laptop. So I may be. Yeah, so I may be turning my back on uh, PlayStation. Ouch. Aside from exclusives. But then again, you know what? Sony, you want to sell me on staying in your ecosystem? Give me the PS4 Switch. You make me a portable PS4. Vita (laughs) 2.
0: Vita (laughs) 2. Hashtag, I believe in the PS Vita, tr- Vita Trinity. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, do you have any other resolutions or, or besides like writing, drawing? Uh I would say
1: uh, resolution besides like the writing and the drawing. Another part is actually going back to one of my passions that I've kind of fallen out from a little bit recently, and that's actually getting out and running. Uh, oh, nice. Yep. Yeah, so that was actually. I'd say before before the start of uh, 2018, uh, I was actually pretty regular on uh, getting out to run. I had been doing it for maybe like five years or so, and I had gotten to the point where I actually uh, did like a half marathon here or there. I was one of those sick people who decide, you know what? 13.1 mile run. That sounds like fun. That sounds like it's plenty so of time to catch up on podcasts. Crazy. Uh, yes, it was uh, very much so. Having said that, I did try to make sure to stick with the half marathons that had free beer at the end. Oh. I did I did try to stick to those. And frankly, there is something nice about seeing like, oh, Michelob sponsoring that. Okay, that's fine. Yingling is sponsoring this half marathon. Okay, that's that's a little bit better there. It's like, you know... <laughs> You, you got to pick and choose which races you want to go for because you want to run for a good drink. You don't want to run for a cruddy drink.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah.
1: So I'm hoping that I can uh, build myself back up to that. It takes time to get back in shape and like to get back to that level. Uh, and by no means does that mean I want to get to sign where like I'm like rail thin and running from like here to Los Angeles. You don't want to force like up that. it? I, no, no. <laughs> No, I don't, I don't, I don't want to run. And that's that. Yeah. Um, I really am the guy that's like, I want to, you know, enjoy gain out, maybe get off like a half hour, an hour running through, uh, you know, the mountains, uh, down here, like just short of, uh, the Poconos mm-hmm. out here in Pennsylvania, which I have to say, I have different knocks for where I live out here in the wilderness, away from civilization. Uh, but being able to just like step outside my front door and just go uh, run on a nearby trail, or even run along uh, one of the roads, and just go through the mountains. Actually, get like fresh air and like good views for a change. There, yeah, that's that's something I enjoy. And then I also enjoy being able to run enough that I don't feel guilty when I want to go after a quarter
0: pounder with cheese and fries at McDonald's. That's fair. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's kind of cliche, cliche, but one of mine is getting healthy. Uh, mm-hmm uh for my resolution list that I put on twitter um the first time I've ever put out like how much I weigh mm-hmm. and it was the the heaviest I've ever been uh it was 382 um mm-hmm. I'm a big guy and I've always been a big guy but seeing that number scared me and, and I knew like I got to do something cuz I want to be around for a long time especially for my for my nieces for my friends just you know i want to be able to play last of us two and yes. <laughs> i, I want to you know see the end of whatever the mcu becomes and so like i i gotta i gotta make that change and um i'm slowly making that change uh, cool. it's it's been oh, three weeks of the new year almost uh, as of recording and uh trying to cut back on the sodas which is tough because i don't drink coffee so I kind of oh, okay. I I need the caffeine from sodas to kind of keep me going a little bit. Sure. Um but drinking plenty of water. Um I'm trying to do or I'm planning on doing this whole keto thing. Okay. It's, it's going to be super tough. I know, but I've got to do it cuz I know it it has great results and I know I'm going to feel better. Um So yeah. Saying, okay.
1: On the on the bright side of things, if you do end up going keto, I think that just means you can just eat like a whole bunch of like steak and chicken and sausage, and I think like guacamole is like the only acceptable vegetable on that. I, I'm not sure, uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, honestly, dude, I you know what I it takes a lot of <laughs> a lot of a lot of courage, I think, uh, to be able to. Look in the mirror and you know know you want to tackle that head on there yeah. uh, if you w- if you want actually want to know uh a true story is there was a time where uh young Jordan uh, back when he was about eleven or so was actually about let's see about twenty five pounds heavier than what I currently am mm-hmm. and i'm like i'm two twenty which is i'm like it's not as good as I'd like, but it's like right around there. But I was about like 240 when I was younger. And I have to say, I do have a secret uh to how I actually got started. It was something that worked for me. And I say, go find what works for you. Yeah. Dance Dance Revolution. Ah. I uh, yep. I yep. I was I was the kid who had that PS2 mat back in the day. And Oh, I, I did had, too. Yeah. <laughs> I have, in fact, I think I still have my old copy of DDR Max Two, and I think I've lost count of how many times I actually uh, danced and tried to burn calories to uh, a Kylie Minogue song or the Crystal <laughs> Method or any other terrible like '90s, early 2000s techno yeah. that was going on.
0: Yeah, and and that's why like uh, that's why I love Beat Saber so much. Beat Saber gets you moving.
1: And, and how, how does how is that how is that game? Because I'm oh. looking at giving VR a try. I'm, oh, I, I like I know that should be the one that sells me on it.
0: Yeah, no, Beat Saber is incredible. If you are a, a Guitar Hero fan or Rock Band fan, it's it's pretty much that, but you're you have to like use lightsabers to match the beat and cut down these blocks, and it's it's incredible. I mean, I I, I hope they release more songs. Uh, cause it's a limited selection right now. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I'm loving beat Saber. You should definitely get on the, the VR train as, as, but then again, you're like, you're, you're always on the move, so you can't really bring the VR with you. I, I know it,
1: it's, it's one of those that I'm trying to figure that out. I may end up like, I know I'm going to do, I've been saving money for like, a gaming laptop. So I can actually like play uh, like triple yeah. uh, AAA games on the go. If I end up doing that, I'm also gonna try to do uh, grab an Oculus that I can pack up. So we'll see. We'll see if that plan comes together and if the um, yeah, the money comes together for that. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, And then just a couple other like other smaller uh, resolutions that I have for this year. Um, Obviously, I want to get more consistent with this show because I love doing it, and uh, you know. depression and anxiety got the better of me last year, uh, especially the later half. Um, And I want to get more consistent here, because I love doing it, and it kind of takes me away from that, kind of like what movies and games do, uh, where you kind of like black out the world. So I want to do that. And I also, uh, last year, discovered how fun D&D is. I mentioned Critical Role earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love watching it. I'm going through Campaign 1 as we speak. Uh, I pretty much watch an episode a day, and they're like a couple hours each, because I love it so much. That's like that's like all I watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and late last year, uh, I kind of put it out there on Twitter that, you know, I actually want to try to play a game. And I played a little bit here and there, and I really love doing it. Um, So I just want to do more of it, pretty much. Like, I had one... Uh, Where other group of best friends, uh, Fiona, uh, I played with Fiona. I played with uh, Michael Fitzgerald, um, who is another best friend, and uh, Carly, and a bunch of other people. Um, And that kind of fizzled out because it was kind of hard to get all our schedules on the right time where we can always play. Mm. Um, But our uh, dungeon master, uh, Adam, uh, who's another best friend, of course uh he decided to do he had this idea for just a bunch of one shots which is where it's you don't have to worry about uh storylines going through each episode or each game session you just kind of go out on a mission and you come back and that's kind of it it's like a one and done Mm -hmm. um so we've been trying to do that this year and that's a lot of fun and just you know rolling dice and killing these uh Uh, you know, mythical creatures are... It's a lot of fun. And being... Actually acting out as a different character and using different voices, which I still haven't nailed down yet. I'm not very good on my accents. I'm working on it. You're not Uh, not
1: good on your accents.
0: I'm not. I'm really awful. They always kind of blend into the same thing, and it's just me doing, like, a deep like Arnold voice. Hey, what do- I can't even do it now. See, I I was trying to do it. It was I, I, awful. I,
1: I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. <laughs> no,
0: it's fine. Uh, but yeah, that's a lot of fun. Like the last one I played a couple weeks ago, um Adam threw us a mission where a wagon was attacking people and when we got to the wagon, it ended up being like a group of goblins, but they were all wrestler personas. Like one was uh Bonesaw Okay. from spider-man and the one yes. was the rock and stone cold and like it was a lot of fun and just
1: i, I, I had to ask did the bone saw goblin go you ain't going nowhere oh yeah bone saws
0: ready <laughs> and, oh yeah no it was great gosh. i think one of the players we played with uh he actually he he's a rogue which is like the thief and he mm-hmm. just went up and he just stole the chance championship belt off of bone saw's goblin waist and he just kind of sat there, depressed, the rest of the the, the round. Mm-hmm. So, like, it D and D is a is great. I highly suggest if you don't want to play it, if you think it's silly, which it isn't, uh, watch Critical Role and seeing these, as they say, nerdy ass voice actors mm-hmm. uh, roll dice and you know become they literally become different characters on screen. Um, it's some of the best storytelling in any medium possible and Matthew Mercer, who's the DM who does uh McCree in Overwatch, he does the voice there, he does plenty of other voices. He crushes it. The, the the imagery that he puts in your head and I'm sure the player's head is top notch storytelling. So go give it a shot. You can start on campaign two um uh, of Critical Role with the Mighty Nine uh just mm-hmm. because that is a brand new story that they started at the beginning of last year. And it actually is the start of these characters. Campaign one, they jumped in after like years of playing, so it was kind of hard to, you know, hop in and follow along. I, I kind of like going for a journey with the characters at the start.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so if you're if you're even the slightest bit interested in D and D, go check out Critical Role. It's amazing. And yeah, I just want to keep playing. I I want to go play right now. Yeah. Like I love it so much.
1: I was going to say, you, it, it sounds like you sold yourself on go playing a game right now. There. Yeah, like, yeah. Dude,
0: if, that was If you're listening to this somehow while we're, we're recording and want to play, just hit me up. Let's go play.
1: <laughs> I, I was going to say, I'm a little worried if someone else is listening to our conversation right now. But, hey, you know, yeah. I, I won't I won't feel as bad as soon as it posts. Let's say yeah, that. <laughs> there you go.
0: Oh, <laughs> um, uh, that was actually Jordan. Thank you for bringing that topic. Uh, it's It's nice to actually talk out resolutions instead of just putting on paper. Cause now it's like kind of permanent. Like we put it out there, now we got to make sure we we make twenty nineteen resolutions like a thing.
1: I know now now we're both accountable here. So yes. you know what? We'll have to do our part and then we'll make sure at the end of this year that you know we hold each other accountable and say that hopefully we can tell ourselves that hey, you did a good job taking care of everything you wanted to do. And hopefully you can say the same for me. Mm. And if we didn't do everything, well, hey, we can still get together
0: and celebrate a good year, hopefully. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so we're coming to the end of the episode, but we have two questions for you, there, Jordan.
1: All right, I, you know, what? I think I'm all set for this. I think I can, I can hold on. <laughs> uh,
0: so, our first question comes from uh, the very first guest of this show, uh, oh. the man, the myth, the legend, Ziger. He okay. asks, uh, "Did it blow your mind the first time you played an N64 and saw sort of double the bits? What was the oh. N64 game that took his 64 bit virginity?" Uh.
1: Zyger, uh my mind was blown I I just I I I, could, I couldn't I couldn't fathom there being another 32 bits I thought 32 bits was all they could do uh, no uh so That's I got
0: This was a very good Keanu by the way Your voice kind of went to a, like a Keanu Reeves thing there
1: Oh my! my I, I wasn't sure if that was Keanu Reeves. I think I, I, think I had a little bit of like William Shatner in there too. True, to one of those. True. <laughs> but I, you know what? I need to stop my voice more to get you know William Shatner. <laughs> um, no, so I, I came to N64 late, uh, and when I did, uh, I ended up grabbing. Let's see. Ended up getting four games right away for it and an expansion pack because you know my mind wasn't blown enough with just the 64 bit but also this strange you know red cartridge that's different from a game cartridge you're supposed to pop inside the little bay at the front of the n64 to give more memory or something like that uh and got that specifically for uh majora's mask so that was part of the first four uh besides that Probably the N sixty four game I actually ended up putting the most time into uh, was Pokemon Stadium. Oh. Actually, with with the uh, you know the weird transfer pack that you put into the back of the controller that you can plug in uh, your Game Boy game into. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd say I definitely had a lot of fun uh, grabbing my team from Pokemon Blue, Team Blastoise, uh, <laughs> and just uploading all my characters that were completely OP because I, I stayed true to the game. I did well and I beat the elite four the way that you're supposed to. And then I took advantage of missing. No, and uh, ended up getting a ton of rare candies and leveling all my uh, <laughs> Pokemon up to 99 there. As like, you do, as you do. <laughs> uh, but then uh, besides those two games I also grabbed uh, the closest thing to twisted metal, that was on N64 at the Ooh, time. Vigilante before, 8? Uh, Vigilante 8.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: That, <laughs> game, uh, that game, I think, was severely underrated for what it was. I actually think, it, at times, it was better than some of the Twisted Metals. I, I would agree. I'd say, I mean, Twisted Metal 2, I think, is still the best of that group of that type of realistic car combat. Mm-hmm. But I'd, I'd argue that Vigilante 8 is better than... One in four, definitely. Probably three, but I can listen to an argument where you tell me that three is better than Vigilante 8. So that was fun. A lot of hours were lost to that. But I think beyond that, the one game that actually had a place in my heart just because it was so... It was Stardew before Stardew was a thing, uh, and that was Harvest Moon. Harvest Uh, Moon, yeah. Yeah, which I... I remember every time I went to a Toys R Us, rest in peace, or uh, a Sears, uh, almost rest in peace, uh, <laughs> when I was growing up, Jeez, it, it, a sidebar, it kind of kills me when I think of, like, all the stores we went to as kids to grab toys are about closed at this point, it's yeah. kind of making me a little, <laughs> it, it's a little sad, It's yeah. it, it does Very bring a, to, a tear to the eye a bit, but, uh, Harvest Moon, I remember because I remember seeing so many copies in every store that I went to, and I thought like, either they're not selling any of these, or they just keep all the stocks because apparently it's like the best-selling game of all time. There, yeah. And I I think the answer was somewhere in between on that, mm-hmm. but uh, I I still it kills me when I think of how much fun I actually had with uh, like uh you know those old school farming simulators and that uh. Isometric style, that two point five D style there, where you like it looks like three D, but it's still really like a two D character. Like if you think of how a uh, how a camera looks on a Diablo game,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like that's what Harvest Moon looked like. But instead of slaying demons, you ended up uh, just harvesting you know radishes, potatoes, <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, feeding your cows in the barn as soon as you built it up. Uh, there was some horse racing and dog racing. Which was a little weird. Uh, but then I remember uh, as a kid, it was like the coolest thing also to take your little uh, Harvest Moon character out to the bar in town at like 11 p.m. And then just see him go crazy because he decided he got drunk off of the special milk that they had there. It was, <laughs> it was silly and foolish and stupid in some of the best ways. Yeah,
0: uh, you, you, you bought quite the collection of games. I ha- I have going to say, from like a farming sim to deadly car combat.
1: <laughs> I know. Not not to mention that probably the most uh the most offbeat Zelda game that had been made up to that point, yeah. aside from Link's Awakening. Yeah. Wow. So, That's a good yeah. group of games.
0: That it was, it got <laughs> me through. <laughs> uh our uh second question comes from our good friend John, recently ah. engaged, John. Congratulations. Yes, kudos um, to him. If you were to have your choice of any system and three games to play forever, which would they be? Now, before you answer, okay, I feel like I know what it's gonna be. Okay, you know what? I let's play
1: this game again because I'm interested. What do you think it'll be? I want to know. I, I want to see. I want to pick your brain. I want to see what you think my system and my games will be.
0: Okay, now system. Yeah, System's kind of tricky. I'm going to okay. say PS3. Okay.
1: For the sole
0: reason, uh, for one of these games, because I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm saying one because it counts. It's a collection.
1: It's the okay. Mass Effect
0: trilogy. Okay. Because uh, uh, we went to, when we did Extra Life, uh, We we you picked me up from the train station and we drove, well, I don't know, an oh. hour or so. We had a great Again, conversation. I- of how I, get,
1: I have to stop here and just say again, I'm sorry in part for that night because just to give context to the story, I picked you up at the train station, but that was a close call that night, if you remember.
0: Yeah, no, I remember.
1: Uh, yeah yeah, you do remember okay okay yeah okay (laughs) but uh (laughs) uh, yeah
0: (laughs) you you talked about how how much you love mass effect and that trilogy Mm -hmm. and i would agree i think that trilogy is great so i think one of those if you count the collection would be the mass effect trilogy okay but that that's just that's what i was thinking you were gonna guess
1: okay so all right so then i should okay so i should double check on the rules here so then we're gonna go
0: that's just me trying to break the rules a little bit. You can pick like three actual games. <laughs> okay. I
1: I have to say I th- the terrible thing is I'm put in such a sore spot because I have because I have s- I have so many different favorite games for each particular console that I ha- if I have to pick one and since I'm going to be forced to the point where I have to pick one, I'm actually going to say Not PS3. Okay. I'm going to say the PlayStation Vita. It lives. Uh Uh, So, and I say that because it has legitimately is the only way to play probably my favorite game of all time. I'll say that. That can can change between this and and Mass Effect. But my favorite game of all time, Persona 4 Golden. Ah. Yes. So, fair. fair. It, it it's it's really difficult. Like if I did pick PS3, it would be it would be Mass Effect, Mass Effect Two, Uncharted Three, and Journey. That if mm-hmm. that were the case. But for Vita, Persona Four Golden, uh, an interesting one that I'm not sure many people would feel the same about. But Thomas was alone. Ah, that's uh, a great one. That is that is legitimately a great platformer that just has the right sense of humor as well with the game. I have to thank Mike Bithel for being a true cheeky game developer, uh, for having just a couple of rectangles and blocks and squares and triangles just jumping all around a screen. And you actually made a game that I care about, Mike Bithell, so thank you for that. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the third... I'm actually going to say I'm going to include games that can be played on PS Vita, but may not necessarily be native to PS Vita.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, So the third game I'm going to include on that is Mega Man Legends.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Which is, that's that's a dark horse. And I'm going to say another hot take, Mega Man Legends doesn't get the credit it deserves for being a great reinvention of Mega Man.
0: That's fair. I don't play Mega Man games, so I'll take your word for it. Well, you are just you
1: you are, you are a bad person. <laughs>
0: joking. joking man.
1: But uh I I just say I didn't I actually never knew that you that you never played Mega Man games. You didn't even try uh, the X series at all or no?
0: Nah. Just wasn't my
1: thing. Wasn't your thing. All right, fair yeah. enough. But uh I have to say Mega Man Legends uh loved that first shot at uh, 3D and PlayStation 1 graphics, so of course the, th- the 3D images are terrible by today's standards, mm-hmm. but uh, still fun. Uh, it had a great sense of humor to it. Uh, I kind of love uh, the whole collection of the Bond family, as well as the serve bots, which you... You may not know them exactly, but if you've ever played uh, a Dead Rising game from Capcom, you've mm-hmm. definitely seen a Servebot. It looks like it—it it looks like a very strange Lego man. Uh, <laughs> so having like the the yellow head and like the blue body, uh, complete comic relief for the game there because they're they're henchmen that never get away with anything, but they're so adorable that you you can't feel bad about them failing in their mission to kill you. Uh, it was. Completely silly idea, but I loved that they were willing to take Mega Man and take a risk taking it from being a 2D side-scroller and try making a 3D action RPG. Again, mm-hmm. my my favorite genre, uh, but it something about it is it may have been clunky, may have been blocky, but whenever I get the opportunity, every once in a while, do I want to play through that? Again, there, you know, pick up uh, different loot, you know, build out different weapons in this uh, rickety car that gets fixed out of nowhere. Uh, and, you know, hunt down pirates looking for uh, Lily, the name of the great treasure of this game is the Mother Lode. And I'm yeah. like, you are, this is, it, this is everything I hope for. It's completely cliche, but it's there's enough great gameplay and ideas behind it that I think it gets frowned upon because it's that PS1 game that looks weird. And mm-hmm. it's also that Mega Man game that doesn't belong with all the other Mega Man games. So mm-hmm. I, Mega Man Legends has that uh, soft place in my heart there. So I would definitely pick that as the third game.
0: Nice. Uh, so there you have it, John. Jordan gave you two two uh choices for that answer if when you pick whichever one and you can you can allow either one it's your yeah, call it's your question john, so
1: yeah john let me let me know if you allow it there you, <laughs> you could you could tweet me the answer
0: <laughs> well jordan we we are at the end uh thank you so much for coming on uh for over two hours now that's crazy uh, uh
1: I, I i am so sorry i am sorry for boring all you guys to tears I am sorry for just like going off there. I, I think I start to understand how Jared Petty feels a little a little <laughs> bit there. We just like over-apologize, but there's like, I, I honestly, I, hopefully you guys enjoyed some of what I was talking about there. And if you didn't, you can let me know and let me know why I'm wrong there. If, if no, you think I, I should pick different games. there, It but. was,
0: it was excellent. So yeah. Thanks for coming, Jordan. I appreciate it. Uh, if they want to follow your writing and your drawing and just follow you in general, where can they go?
1: So if you guys want to follow me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. So my username, of course, is 32bitplayer. bit uh, I'll also say that if you're trying to track me down in the Facebook group, I am around there. You can see one of uh, Kyle's weekly posts uh, that he puts up on Sub Sunday. Uh, he was... Kind enough to tag me in his most recent one on this Sunday. Which uh, do you mind if I tell him like what day we're recording? No, on? go ahead. Yeah. So if you guys are curious at all and you really want to find me in real life, you actually want to see the face that goes with this guy, uh, look up uh, Kyle's post on January twentieth uh, for the best friends talk funny recording. Yeah. So you can definitely follow me on there. Follow my scorching hot takes in the Facebook group because <laughs> I guarantee I get. I do get an angry uh, emoticon uh, reaction about every day or so for something I comment on. <laughs> and uh, that's fine by me. I'm good with that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Jordan, he's very much like Prince. He only goes by one name. It's just Jordan. Oh, <laughs> so,
1: uh, but uh call again. Thank you. Thank you for ha- having me on. And again, just thank you for everything that you do, uh, whether it's running this show or helping run uh, kind of NYC and for all you best friends, honestly, every chance you can, please give this man a big bear hug because he Aww. deserves
0: it every time. Thanks, buddy. And I will always return a hug. I love hugs. So oh. thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: got it, bud. Well, listen, you take care. You get some rest. And uh, I guess uh, we'll catch
0: up soon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at who ninja 73 Same on PSN, if you want some PlayStation friends. Um, Part of me wanting to get fit in 2019 is I want to play Beat Saber. And I want you to challenge me in the high score department to kind of push me to keep going harder. So go ahead and friend me so I can check up on your scores. Uh, you can follow this show, Best Friends Talk Funny, on Twitter at BFS Talk Funny, uh, podcast services wherever you want. Go ahead and rate it five stars. Do the whole podcast thing. Uh, let me know what you liked, what you didn't like about any of my episodes. Uh, I have plenty of awesome guests on past episodes that some that are criminally uh under listen to so go on and listen to some of these awesome best friends tell their stories. Um also if you're a PlayStation fan I do a PlayStation podcast with Joe, Mr. Badbit. It's called the Trophy Room. You can find that at Twitter at PS Trophy Room uh or the video version at youtube.com slash badbit games. If it's not slash Badbit games, just search Badbit games and find it there. Uh every Thursday the new episode goes up. Oh man, do a lot of stuff. Very I, I was gonna say
1: you you, ha- you have a rigmarole there. I, I you know I got <laughs> to
0: bunch. I I listened to Craig. I listened kind of funny. I have my own rigmarole, and I don't know how I feel about it yet. But it doesn't matter. Hey, um, own it. Own it. You, you
1: you deserve it. You are the man. You have your own, <laughs> own podcast. You should have your own rigmarole.
0: Maybe <laughs> maybe as time goes on, I do more stuff. Like maybe a full hour of the show, with just me just listing things. Who knows? Tune I, I, tune in in the future to see if that happens. <laughs> looking forward to your housekeeping there next time <laughs> oh, be great housekeeping to end all housekeepings. Uh and without further to do remember be kinda to one another bye